I had the craziest dream last night about a girl who's turned into a swan. But her prince falls for the wrong girl and she kills herself. He promised to feature me more this season. Well, he should. You've been there long enough. And you're the most dedicated dancer in the company. Our new swan queen, the exquisite Nina Sayers. I'm Lily. It'd be amazing. I watch the way she moves. Sensual. She's not faking it. Seduces! Attack it! Attack it! Come on! Where'd you get these? It's nothing. You sweet girl. Feel my touch. Respond to it. It's so much hot for teacher. I don't want to talk about that. You really need to relax. It's the role, isn't it? It's all this pressure. I knew it'd be too much. I knew it. What's she doing here? He made me your ultimate. The only person standing in your way is you. Hey, you know what? I have my ways. She's after me. Nobody's after you. Please believe me. What happened to my sweet girl? She's gone! Black Swan 2010. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Is that 12 years old? Oh, my God. <sighs> What a genuinely like nuts movie to have to make a trailer for, though. Mm-hmm. Like that. Well, well, you know, have you ever seen the trailer for Pie? I mean, like, like that one's even weirder. I haven't seen the trailer I, for I Pie. I think I saw that uh, that movie a long time ago. But I saw it in the theater, um, like when it first came out. As did I. Yeah, mm. I was like, this looks good. <laughs> I should probably I say. Welcome to Movie Night Extravaganza, episode sixty-six, um, Black Swan. Um, yeah, I actually had missed this movie, I think, um, when it, when it first came out, this is the first time I've seen it. I remember everybody getting obsessed with it though. Uh, I guess 12 years ago. That's, that's crazy. But, um, I'm joined by Jay Andrew world illustrator, um, you know, artist, uh, collaborator, um, ballet dancer, uh, 12 years ago, <laughs> you know, just like the movie, um, <laughs> That's how that movie goes, right? Yeah, 12 years Yeah, 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 yeah. He just 12 got years of Swan. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I promised I was going to stop interrupting on Andy's intros, but... You're going no. to get you're gonna get canceled by the root for that joke. <laughs> um, we're also joined by Protonic Reversals and Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Conan Neutron... Which one of you guys, which one of you guys is the white swan of the show? Which one of you guys is the black? I feel like Conan's the black swan of the show. I was going to say, whatever gets me to work on my tight five, apparently, is is, is <laughs> the one I am. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Good question. I think I think we all have a little black swan and a little white swan in all of us, truly. Yeah. Some some have a little more of some and some have a little more of others. But I'm more of a gray swan. <laughs> I'm more of a goose. 
I just like to honk at people and chase them around. Yeah. Shoot the hostage. I'm a goose. Yeah. <laughs> also joined by Christina Oaks, who, you know, I'm Christina on Twitch. She's the one that, uh, you know, put us on to watching this movie for this episode. It's been in the works for a while. Hmm. Um, yeah. How's it going? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I totally forgot. I hadn't seen this either. I'm like, yeah. I love all of these guys' movies. And Damn, like, this is, people, this is my favorite movie of all time, too. It's like Conan Catnip. I'm like, how did I how did I miss this? I don't know. I've got I have no answers. But yeah, thank you, Christina, for, for prompting us to do this excellent movie. You're welcome. Also, I walked course, over your intro too, so I'm I'm going two for two. <laughs> also joined by Ravana, uh reactions on, on, on Twitch and the frequent uh TYT as as your as your hoodie says, uh show guest, main show guest. <laughs> I had to rep, had to rep. Not sponsored, but actually I'm sponsored. So <laughs> go to shopTYT.com. <laughs> I think we're one one guest away from getting a TYT sponsorship at this point. We'll get that from the letterboxed one, frankly. I was gonna say we're one guest away from getting uh uh Jank to come on and and <laughs> talk about some, some random movie. You didn't get the steak. Get them all to come talk about it. And it'll be just like when Barbara's on, that none of us will get a word in as wedge. Hey, everybody. Come on the show, no, True and accurate. Being on the, the main show with Jank is like, okay, I might have like, Jank will have 45 minutes of, you know, time that he's talking. I'm going to try to get in 45 seconds. Like at least one 45 second can, a continuous yep monologue about something before he cuts me off right oh, call oh your shot God. because that's the only one you're gonna get <laughs> yeah he was on i remember um i remember editing his appearance on well phone appearance on uh tmbs when he came on to talk about his congressional campaign and it was oh, like yeah, literally that. yeah well so it was literally the opposite of uh michael talking over destiny for 40 minutes it was just jank talking over michael for 40 minutes yeah. <laughs> i mean at least what he's saying is awesome but yeah he is he is the kind of guy i i call it for protonic it's like he's the kind of guy it's like a wind him up and watch him go sort of guest you know yeah you hey know which, you can kick back to those guests yeah and stay out of their way so they don't chide you on your own show for trying to maintain order ah <laughs> uh, yep that happens Good and news. or what Waterboard, uh, Dan waterboard, Rather. Dan Rather. <laughs> <laughs> what no, that, that that's gonna stand as one of the that entire interview is gonna stand as genuinely the one of the most nuts moments that I, I've had in like the past two years, and the the fucking waterboarding, waterboarding Dan Rather moment is insane. It, it it's astounding. It's the craziest moment of podcasting in my twelve years plus of podcasting. Like it's freaking. Are you saying you're? Are you saying you're twelve years a streamer? No, twelve years no. a streamer. <laughs> Believe it or not, yeah. that that's the movie that has the N word less than twelve years a slave. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know about that. To be honest, I, I've I've met streamers. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the streamer, my dude. Depends on the streamer. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So so Black Swan. The movie that we <laughs> that we all watched that we're ostensibly discussing, yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think about her her voice that she uses throughout it? And there's oh. a whole there's a whole story. Um, yes. Yeah. I know the story. All right, tell the story. So, as we all know, Natalie Portman is known for having a very very soft voice, very very soft, very frail voice that she always got made fun of, and as her acting career progressed, she did her best to get out of that. 
However, with Black Swan, they're like, no, we we want like your original like voice, like that very soft, delicate, mm. frail, shaky, vo- uh, whiny voice. And she was like, God damn it! Mm-hmm. And then she won an Oscar. So, mm. yeah, that's actually not the story. So she she's doing not just her original voice. She's doing like a baby voice. Like that's what she calls it. And yeah. Darren Aronofsky, like talking to her about it, is like, I don't think you should do this. I don't think I think that doing the voice is going to be too much for you. And she's the one that actually pushed for it and said, look, I'll try this out. But, you know, they kind of keep these dancers or they keep ballet dancers kind of in, in like a state of like perpetual childhood. And yeah. she felt like as they're kind of keeping them in this weird preteen almost like mentality like they call them by like you know like pet names they like they, like all of that stuff is true yeah. she felt like maybe she should use this like really really soft high-pitched baby voice uh throughout the making of this and but darren omnoski felt like i think that um here i have a clip of it her talking about it but um he felt like maybe using a, a fake voice might be too much for it and it might not work in a certain way and so they were like i don't know they weren't sure about it but it, it worked really well and she did win an oscar for it so um yeah, the Oscars are never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think in this case, though, she actually that was Crash. <laughs> Thank you. I hate Crash. Thank you. Just tell us about that scene. Um, well, part of, of establishing this character as a little girl was doing this voice mm-hmm. that Darren, when we first talked about it, was a little reluctant because he thought it might be silly. So we just were like, okay, you know, we'll try it. If it's not working, you just tell me and we'll... we'll but where it came from was all the training that Natalie did. She came to me at one point and said, have you noticed that all these dancers talk with these little baby voices? And I was yeah. like, oh, wow. And it goes back to what Natalie was saying before about the keeping girls. these. Yes. And the, and the value of keeping them young. And yes. so we were interested. We were just nervous about it because it's a big choice as, a, as an actor. But it was something to play with as she turns into the black swan. Yeah, absolutely. And and preparation for you. I mean, there are a whole bunch of ballerinas have written books and everything else. Yeah, I, I Suzanne had Farrell the, and others. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I read the Suzanne Farrell. I read the Allegra Kent, the Tony Bentley. Right. I tried to locate it in the city ballet world because I think it's really helpful to have a, a very specific culture you're relating right, right. to, even though ours is not about city ballet and certainly not about the current city ballet. It was very much the sort of balancing world where Mr. B was deified and, and this whole sort of religion grew around him. Mm. All right, roll tape. Here's another scene. This is where your rehearsal is interrupted by the arrival of the competition. Not so controlled. Seduces. Not just the prince, but the court, the audience, the entire world. Come on. The footy are like a spider spinning a whip. Attack it. Attack it. Come on. And attack it. She did. Yeah. yeah. It's also sad too about ballet, like, is that not only do are they like consistently being like have to be almost like you know, ch- children, is that how intense the dieting is and how they have to keep their figure a certain way too. Yeah. And I mean as opposed to other like types of dance, like with jazz dance and t- even tap dancing, you don't really have to be like a, like skinny as a rake, flat chested even. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, Natalie Portman is someone who did ballet for a short you know, period of time when she was like young and, you know, ended up becoming an actress and, and then like leaving behind ballet because she's like, well, now I'm doing something like, you know, that's going to take up all of my time. But I mean, I think a lot of you know, like young girls 
like at the time especially when when natalie portman was growing up because she's like not that old and like a lot of girls were really into ballet and yeah, she was a child out. actress too remember yeah, yeah. yeah she, she was young and um <clears throat> the professional which uh somebody had that really awkward tweet recently and they deleted it about like uh uh, about like thirst posting about Natalie, Mer uh, Natalie. Oh, yeah, yeah, going on with Millie Bobby Brown. Like, everyone's like, Oh, she's 18 now, which means we can totally like <sighs> thirst over her. And I'm like, Everybody, everybody except Drake, who's like, Drake's been doing it for be since before yeah. she was 18. Now she's 18, she's too old for him. So, oh, yeah, there, I saw, I saw this meme yesterday that's uh, it was um. The fucking Leonardo DiCaprio in uh in in Wolf of Wall Street when he's like I'm not fucking leaving but it's Drake and it says Billy Bobby Brown turns 18 and he says I'm fucking leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Real talk though, Professionals, uh, I think that's a great movie, albeit maybe not fully up to modern sensibilities. I think my saying is this: is you can always get away with it when it's French. You know, like some reason people give a dispensation for sleazery when it's when it's free. and it's not really sleazy necessarily as a movie, just the, the culture around it. But that said, what a great performance in that. Now, I've like, only seen Leon, so, so I'm going to be totally honest here. Like, 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 I know there's a big difference between Leon and the professional. Um, the way it's cut. So, mm -hmm. so, um, you know, uh, pardon, pardon my ignorance, but like, I know Leon kind of like showed that she she's an adult, it, you know, you know, more mature. But not necessarily, you know. But but there wasn't anything else, was there? I don't remember. I, I, I'm gonna be real with you. I do not remember at all. But I, okay, <laughs> I, I like the movie at all, and I was yeah. absolutely impressed with. I was like, wow, that little girl was awesome. I remember at yes. the time being like, holy crap, she's a great actress. And then that was that. That was young before she was ever in a Star War. That was yeah, that was and also Morgan. too, like with her, like you know, she probably she definitely had to go on like a, a very very strict diet for uh, this role. But she yeah, looks yeah. like she's bulk enough for you know for the new Thor movie too. So she's she's not afraid to you know transform her body for a role. Oh, yeah. so so what I was saying though with her doing ballet when she was younger and and kind of giving it up, she never really got into like the professional ballet space, I guess, where mm -hmm. someone really is forced into that stuff. So she said that before filming this, she really uh, she really thought that um, ballet dancers um, were were that were that thin because you know well they dance a lot and they they don't necessarily. Um, eat a lot but like she didn't realize that like no they're really forced into this lifestyle where you're constantly dieting you're yeah. kept at this size where like you do look like a, a child and like it really it depends on where you're actually doing ballet because you know there are places in europe and stuff where it's not that rigorous like you're you are kind of allowed to be a little bit i guess thicker is, is the turn like like still skinny but like you're allowed to kind of not look, have that tiny child like frail look yeah um, so yeah, so so that that kind of fascinated me because I never really thought about the differences between all of those places. Well, it, it has to be a lifestyle. They aren't given a choice because it's yeah. like all these other aspects of like there's this um, other aspects of things around it that is just not optional not to do the, those things. All you can do is have your entire identity wrapped into something that literally you have to stop doing at a certain age because you physically won't be able to do it anymore, which is mm -hmm. wild. Yeah, um, and I it's think very also young. Like sort of similar to the way that they're constantly injuring themselves. It's just pain. Like ballerinas are constantly in pain. They're constantly hurting themselves, you know, uh, contorting their bodies in ways that it probably shouldn't be contorted and their feet are just beat the fuck up. Like all the scenes where they were 
pulling her like ankle to make it yeah. pop. Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Like, like a whole like two inches. She like oh my oh my god. Like that's so that that ankle was so cramped. It was. There's, so many, there's a couple moments to watching this movie where I screamed. Yeah, because it so, it's so brutal. It's Can so you imagine brutal. Quentin Tarantino watching this movie? Oh my god! What are you doing to the feet? No! <laughs> Why are they webbing up? <laughs> yeah, that that scene where she's getting like like I guess maybe like a chiropractor or like the physical therapist of like the ballet dancers. I was yeah. like, oh my god! Yeah. Like, if I were to go and get that done, I bet I would probably grow like a whole two inches. <laughs> I uh I, I screamed I screamed both times I watched this movie though when she crushes her mom's hand in the door yes and I, li- and I literally went ah! both times and it was like involuntary like my body because hearing that snap I was just <laughs> to, to be fair it was more like when somebody says something on the show and I went oh yeah, but like yeah same thing like I was a visceral reaction to that for I sure. was like oh good for her <laughs> and then not really understanding at first that she's transforming into the swan um right after that you have her legs contort and go yeah yeah and yeah. she's like what's yeah. happening like holy fuck <laughs> well she's picking the feathers out of the like yeah, her back, back or whatever yeah. like yeah. what in the f is going on now do i need to yeah. message christina right now to find out or should i wait <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's also this thing right i mean self-harm i don't I, i'm sure everybody knows people that have self-harmed like it becomes kind of this uh fixation right it's about control and, and it almost it sometimes feels like, you know, like people almost act like there's something inside of them. They have to get out. So when she's scratching her back, like it, it probably is that she feels like, you know, she's in control in that moment. And she's like almost scratching to try to like get to something like it feels like you're kind of achieving a, a goal almost. So for her, that scratching to happen and then all of a sudden like the, a feather just pops out. It's like an insane kind of almost uh, weirdly like cathartic like, oh, shit, there really was something in there. And as her as she kind of transforms into the fucking swan. Like, let go. Yeah. Not in the oh. way that you should, not in a healthy way, but. Yeah. But also it's sad too that, you know, she has this very like strict, like ballet lifestyle. She also has a mother who, in my theory, uh, abuse, like, like molested her and abused her in every way possible. Yeah, I agree. Like that. I think that's like the, the only way you can read why she has that wooden stick that she's hiding in her room. Like. Yeah. Otherwise, divorce from that context is like, what the fuck is that for? Other than like, potentially fighting off her mom in a whomping stick. Thing. Yeah, that's yeah, my whomping stick. Does it again? Yeah. I mean, control. I mean, not only because she was also a, uh, her mother was a ballet dancer as well, who didn't succeed because she got pregnant with with the uh, with Natalie Portman's character. Yeah, but they don't like, they don't spell that out. She's just but like but, it's, but but if you like, if yeah. you know, it has total kind of stage mom energy, like like yeah. the, the scene with the cake. Yeah. Oh, she's not sufficiently stoked about the cake and she's like well i guess i'll just throw it away and it's like yeah oh sweet no. girl it's notice like- that mila kuna said that and i i my theory is that the mother was doing something to her and she just dreamt that it was uh mila kunis oh wow i didn't so, I didn't so it's even, like fight club huh. <laughs> fight club for chicks yeah, i thought i did thought you, it was wait wait, wait andy did you see fight club did, 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 really? yeah yeah that's where where brad pitters and so swan <laughs> no i really i really did think it was gonna be like fight club i thought we were gonna find out after the fact that mila kunis like didn't exist or something like this that, yeah. that was my theory all the way up until the end when she comes in and is like was like oh you're gonna do fine out there which i mean you know it's just she's just kind of a, an understudy that's like you know really trying to 
do everything she can to push her over the edge, which makes okay. sense. And then, of course, in her mind, because things are like warping and changing, this kind yeah. of becomes her black swan. But, um, you know, at, at first, she probably like, partied with too much Molly that uh, Mila Kunis gave her. She passed out. Her mother probably did something to her while she was sleeping, and she dreamt up a situation with Mila Kunis' character. And yeah. That's probably that's I mean, I'm, I'm like, why is she calling her sweet girl? And then, and then I was looking through the Internet and there were and there were some theories about that situation. I'm like, oh, fuck, that is I, I thought it was more that she was just hallucinating that Mila Kunis was saying that to her because her, there's like a moment where her face is like a oh. face, right in that that scene. So it seemed more like she was. That's cool. I like that idea. Yeah. Like she's like engaging like in it. She was with Mila Kunis, but like she's hallucinating things that have happened with her and her mom. So it's, but I, I think yeah. that's an interesting theory though. Yeah. Although I hated Natalie Portman's character. I'll full disclosure. I didn't feel very much sympathy towards her the entire movie. Like <laughs> the situation is terrible, but like, I think that she's also a very destructive and harmful person. Yeah. And, like it's just hard and, to sympathize yeah. with just her. Just let go. My God. Like well, she's, she's a very, she's a very, um, she's obsessed with control. And I mean, yep. you can probably read into the psychology of that. Like the mom kind of being incredibly controlling, whether you believe that the mom has abused her in that way or just physically abused her throughout her life. And like, you know, made her feel like, you know, she needs to be in control this much. Like, um, watching through Natalie Foreman talking about the, you know, how she felt about it. And there is a whole thing on the mother. So I'll, I'll pull that up as the next clip. Um, you know, watching her talk about it, like uh, this is, this is like a destructive relationship where it's the only time she really can let go in some way at home because she's in a completely different uh, controlling space as an, I mean, you know, as someone who's like a, a young adult, I guess at home than she is um, when she's kind of like just this like uh, sweet, uh, incredibly, uh, perfectionist ballet dancer like it's it's a different level of power i guess to control for her i i don't think it necessarily is sympathetic or unsympathetic but i do think that there is a lot to talk about with um people who are creative that like put themselves through this stuff and yes how destructive those people can be mm -hmm. i got a lot to say about that but let me also just say that her mom sucks thank you <laughs> yeah her mom her mom definitely sucks <laughs> Barbara was telling us that you shot the stuff with your mom in the movie all at the end. Yes. After you had already done all the dancing and you'd done all that part mm -hmm. of it. Was was that, did that make it easier? Did it make it more challenging? Were you someplace clearer in terms of doing those scenes? It was hard because a lot of the relationship with the mother, because we didn't really rehearse either, mm -hmm. was, I mean, I obviously knew what was written in the script, but so much changed on set that, um, you know, it's hard to know specifically what that relationship was mm -hmm. um, while we were shooting. So it's it, it plays so much into her life throughout mm -hmm. that, um, yeah, it's important. It, it was an important element. But Darren did a really wonderful thing where he had her write me letters. I don't know if she told you about mm -hmm. this, that he would give to me on important days. But also Darren was really great personally. Like the, the scene where I call my mom and tell her mm -hmm. that I got the part. Um, Barbara was working that day and she couldn't on, on another film right. and couldn't, couldn't be on the phone with me. Mm -hmm. So Darren did that with me. And it was, it was really great because he was able to just direct me through whatever he was saying to me on the other end of the line. And we discovered so many things. It was really mm -hmm. the most exciting day on set because we found all these things like that they could be competing with each other, that they could be, you know, that she wants to please her mom, but she's also putting her down and she's also insulting her. And mm -hmm. there's, even when she's so um, 
sort of quiet with everyone else and submissive with her mm -hmm. mother, there's this power because she is the she's the ballerina and her mother's the has been. And mm -hmm. there's this power dynamic that shifts when she's at home, that she's kind of a different person. And we found a lot of that stuff in playing during that mm -hmm. particular scene. So does the script change at that point or is it just how you play the scenes when you finally get to play them? It's both. I mean, uh, you know, there were a lot of sort of line kind of tweaks that mm -hmm. had to do with how comfortable the words felt coming out of our mouths that all of the actors sort of contributed um, to uh, and um, a few sort of additions that had to do with ideas of our own mm -hmm. um, and and also of course the way we play the scenes because of these sort of ideas you get from playing while you're on set. So there's so many layers going on throughout the whole movie. I mean does Darren protect you from thinking about that or do you have to be very conscious of each take what level of it you're working on or yeah I mean it's both like I you know I have my preparation it's pretty um you know anal with like <laughs> where am I in the story where what's coming before what's after where am I in the progression You know what's funny about this movie is that people made jokes about this being like the female Joker. I'm like, no, it's the female version of the wrestler. Yeah. yeah. And that's literally, I mean, it was supposed to be like kind of a, almost like a, a spiritual sequel to that, right? It's a. Uh... Yeah. Well, and then what's crazy, I totally watched and enjoyed The Wrestler, but I did not watch and enjoy Black Swan. And I'm going to blame sexism for that because I'm sexist. <laughs> but it has more to do with The Fountain, which I I found abhorrent. And I had a big, big mad on for Arnofsky for a long time. But yeah, I, I I just missed it. And But they are absolutely like the art is different. Right. But the pursuit of perfection within the art and the, the sort of defining of yourself by the art is absolute in, in both and they, they are sort of like siblings in a way it's kind of crazy they envision that have like they envision both those movies being kind of in the same universe like almost as if you know like when something's not like a, a sequel like chronologically but it's like a sequel spiritually to yeah. a, a different movie and they talked a lot about that um because i watched there was an hour long yeah i like got uh, breaking too it was like a spiritual sequel to breaking right <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, so I watched, there was an hour long, um, uh, thing where it was the cinematographer, Darren Abnoski and, um, and, uh, and the editor kind of talking at, at like DP 30. This movie came out at the perfect time when YouTube was kind of starting to blow up, uh, to the point where like they would put like full, like hour long interviews with the director of every popular movie that came out around the Oscars. Like they'd put up those interviews and like put up interviews with the entire cast. Yeah. Nobody knew what it was going to be at the time. Right. Nobody knew it was going to radicalize grandma. That was just like, Hey, here's a new thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I don't know. I, I find her preparation for it interesting because in some ways she kind of reminds me of Nina, like the, the way that she, um, looked like the way that she, uh, practices her art, I think kind of, like she seems like she's incredibly obsessive about it, incredibly perfectionist. Like Natalie Portman went to college so that she could like kind of uh, study acting like in a different way. Like, you know what I mean? Like in, in different ways. Like it seems like her obsession with her craft is a lot like this character, like the aim, like the aim for perfection, I guess. And she does it again and again to the point where I think even uh, even Darren Abnoski, who they were very close and they talked about making this movie for nine years before it actually before a script actually appeared. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So um, it was originally not going to be a ballet movie. It was originally going to be about like off-Broadway actresses or something. And and um, 
her like fighting her way to the top of that, which there's, I feel like there's kind of almost parallels with like showgirls. If, if that was the way that this movie was made, Ugh. but, um, <laughs> but, but instead, it, but instead it, uh, it, it became about ballet dancers and she kept asking Darren Obnowski, like she'd see him walking in, in studios and stuff and be like, Hey, like, when's that, when are we going to do this? Like black Swan ballet movie? Like, and he's like, oh, you know, and he kept on making other movies during that whole nine years. And he was like, oh, well, it's not time. It's not time. And then finally, she's like, no, let's make this fucking movie. He's like, all right, I got the script, I think. <laughs> he was going to make The Fountain too, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I was so furious. I saw that movie in the theaters. I, I could, it's possible it could have been Matter. Maybe if it was The Brown Bunny. But other than that, no, I could not have been Matter. I don't like that movie at all. Uh, but I think you hit an important point forest and i think it's more notable and we should probably um kick it to as she disappears to go do the thing that she needs to do i was gonna kick it to the ladies that like i think there is something that's tied up something's different than the wrestler right is the idea of the pursuit of perfection the uh of the art but also the unification of like being perfect as like a, a person as a human as a woman i mean that's like you know this guy this guy and this guy don't really have to deal with that nearly so much. And I think that that's something that I like that it's explored in the way that like, uh, the, the, the French dude, that's like the, the, the ballet instructor, like you know, castle. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I love that actor. He's in Lahaine too. He's in okay. Yeah. Brotherhood of the Wolf. He's, he's the son of a, of a famous French actor too. Seymour. Right. Seymour castle. Yeah. <laughs> it's two, it's two top credits. Lahane and brotherhood of the wolf. Yes. Uh, brotherhood of the wolf. So legit good movie. <laughs> I'm going to defend that movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but I guess what I'm, what I'm driving with it is that like, uh, you know, and, and then put that with her, her mother who has like unfulfilled ambition of her own. And then also has, uh, you know, kind of manipulative, tendencies emotionally manipulative anyway and like i'm just, really glad really and she's like kind of into it <laughs> yeah but but i mean i don't know christina you're you're the you're the sme subject matter expert for for black swan but like is it, is, am i off base here i mean i think that's sort of like it's perfect that it's ballet like absolutely perfect because there yeah. is that just everything being one you know venn diagram of three circles that are one circle of expectation yeah, that's absolutely correct. And like, what, and what's so funny, you know, you got these ballet dancers who are meant to be very, very childlike, but also at the same time, they're supposed to be like sex objects. Yeah, especially when it comes to, you know, Vincent's, you know, the ballet instructor's uh, character. Um, it's it is weird that. Also, what I've noticed is that Vince, that it's almost as if Darren Aronofsky kind of like based himself off of like this ballet instructor because of the fact he tried to get Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis to like like be against each other kind of like how this ballet instructor is doing it in the movie yeah I mean I don't know I I think that in some ways and like the seductiveness of him like you can see him you know in, in these interviews like the seductiveness of it and kind of the the supportiveness I think that he has for his actors couldn't be more different than you know the way that this ballet instructor is is legitimately like a terrifying creative force that's kind of terrifying these these ballet dancers into like submission and into seduction and all this stuff. Yeah, but, and if uh, you want to get the part, you got to put out. Yeah, Man, that I was some straight up out stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> I can't I can't see Darren Abnowski, the guy, ever being able to do something like you know what I mean, like do something yeah. like that in 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 that way. Like he's kind of just this quiet, like 
uh, very reserved kind of figure. Like, um, but but I do see um, that also you know, made Requiem for a Dream. But you know, let's yeah, <laughs> which, which isn't exactly a reserved movie, but I love it. And but I mean, you know, there's a thing you can make art that's a... nothing like make art that's nothing like you as a as a person. Like I like yeah. live vicariously. I can't, I can't see art. him kind of just shrugging and be like, "Hey, Natalie Portman, if you really if you want this movie, like I don't know why I did the Kermit the Frog." But, voice, but but like, why is he Kermit the Frog? <laughs> hey, <laughs> you better, frog. If you want to be in this movie, you better fucking put out. <laughs> I think it, I was, why is it Jordan Peterson? <laughs> I think it, I think in my heroin movie it's going to end with double penetration. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, there is, and there is that the aspect though of being uncomfortable with that, and I have I do have a scene sure. about she's talking about um shooting shooting sex scenes and how uncomfortable she felt and the fact that she saw this movie for the first time uh, with her parents, her oh. parents are sitting behind her. Wow. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, I feel bad for the actors in Euphoria. Yeah, I haven't watched any Euphoria yet, and every time I see it, I'm like, I, don't, I feel like I feel like everyone's living this. They don't need to. <laughs> Or, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, I went to high school at the beginning of the opioid crisis. Like, I don't need to see Euphoria. <laughs> I get it. I lived it. <laughs> wow, way to be cynical for us. Genius. Uncomfortable? Is it really what's in service of the script? And that's just the choice you make when it fits? Or Yeah. Um, it's really uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, I think this movie was so much about how to when you be to in order to become an artist you have to find pleasure yourself mm -hmm. you have to learn how to please yourself and not be in service of other people not be pleasing other people all the mm -hmm. time um and i thought it was really necessary to show her discovering that discovering how to please herself um and i, I believed in those scenes they were not comfortable to shoot they're not comfortable to watch with my parents <laughs> But so it goes, and my parents are really cool. So, so is that the kind of thing you discuss with Darren and, and Mark and say, can we change this or change this slightly, or do you just either believe in it or you don't believe in it? And I think you believe it or, or you don't. I mean, you I, you have to talk about it before you agree to do the film, mm -hmm. or else if I I would never like show up on the day and be like, you know what, no, <laughs> you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's and Darren um, was very sensitive to it and you know was not you know, never tried to get me to get naked right. or, you know, um, anything and was just sort of like, if you go for it the first time, you don't have to do it again, you know? Well, is it for you the naked or the intimacy of something like that? It's both because, you know, the intimacy, everything's intimate. I mean, being emotional on screen is That's really true. intimate. It's very vulnerable to share with other people. Um, it's all intimate. Uh, that's not. That's not really that's part of my job is to be very exposed to people. Mm -hmm. um, but the part I don't like is when what you put out there as part of a story as art can be expropriated into something disgusting and objectifying and mm -hmm. salacious in another context, which it all inevitably is in today's media. Mm -hmm. So I'm just aware of that because Yes, I'm interested in being in a, um, you know, really provocative film. Mm. Um, and no, I'm not interested in being on a porn site. Right. And that's the difference. It's like, how can it? And it's interesting because if you show parts, 
you're on those sites. And right. if you do the exact same scene without showing very particular parts, mm -hmm. you can avoid it. So that's well, it's almost the, like they've taken that away from actors, like actresses. Yeah. I mean, when you think of Barbara Hershey coming up and doing Boxcar Bertha and whatever, you yeah. know, it wasn't really that big a deal. I mean, I guess those pictures are on sites too, but yeah, but now it's all very specific and constant. Exactly, um, exactly, and 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 it's yeah, it's exploitative, and it's I I do my best not to provide material for people who are going to use it in ways that are disrespectful. Does all that stuff take away from the pleasure of? Your job? Absolutely. Um. Sorry, my Instacart shopper brought me the most chicken I've ever seen in my life. I, <laughs> I don't eat meat. I'm just like, I was standing there like, I don't, this is like a massive package. It's like, like 10 chickens. I do you need Man. chickens? The great, I'm, I'm starving, so if you could just send that over the stream, that'd be lovely. Thank you. The Great it's Chicken Massacre of 2022. <laughs> Are you sure it's not Swan? Da, da, da. <laughs> um, but you. yeah, so I, I found that interesting because I've never really thought about you know actresses ending up on porn sites for making kind of legitimate movies. Well, I mean, you know not saying legitimate like that, but like kind of more mainstream movies that show, uh, show like penetration and stuff like being used on porn sites separately. Like I've never really thought about that. And now I'm going to make my own porn site and only use. Well, well, yeah, you're, you're a dude. I mean, I know, I know a few people in the industry, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm wrong. It's, it's, it's a real, it's, it's a profession. Nothing wrong with it. It's a vo vocational hazard to uh, have stuff on the internet that people will exploit and, you know. Delay. Yeah, but I mean, if you're doing that as a profession, you know, you're getting paid to do that. You know what I mean? Like, so it's understandable that if you're getting paid to be in a, in a film, you don't want somebody exploiting those, you know, you're not getting paid for them putting that on a porn site. So it's like, you can look at the, the you know, the labor value and, um, you know, the exploitation of it and say like, well, I'm not like, I'm not getting paid for this for, you know, to be on a porn site, I'm getting paid to be in a, in a film like that. That is the job that I want. I, I mean, I kind of think it does kind of throw shade at, at in some ways at, pe at people that uh, do choose to be in, you know, like like adult films. But I don't think that that's the intention of. I, yeah, that certainly wasn't our intention. I mean, it's just sort of like, how can you like, all right. Look, look, and look at like something like uh, I love Mulholland Drive, right? I but love that it, movie. It's <laughs> so good. It's so amazing. But of course, there's a, a, a certain segment of people that only care about one scene, right? And and if you've seen the movie, you know exactly the scene I'm talking about. But like David Lynch, got, David Lynch, got, <laughs> that's just beautiful. The colors are amazing. Uh, but David Lynch got so upset by that. I think in I, I, some later revision or something, he like uh, he like did the black bar thing because he got so he got, he got so annoyed at people like no like that's I mean of course David Lynch like had, had was upset about people not understanding the vision. Right. But like, it, it's so rare for him to actually speak out on it. And like, that was one of the things that, and look, you've got two beautiful women expressing themselves sexually. Like I get it, but like, he didn't want that to be like taken out of context. He, he thought it, and it, it, it does, it makes so much sense in the film. Mm -hmm. And so important to the film that like the idea that like, Oh, this, you know, dudes are stroking off to this. It, like with no context, like it's repulsive. and not stroking off to the video of David Lynch eating those panties. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Have you seen that video? I, I have not. No. There's, so there's a famous video that he was with a fan. This is a digression he, I did not expect tonight. He made yeah, he made some go. he made some bet on a film community. He was part of a film community with like a bunch yeah. of his fans, and he made a bet. I don't remember what the bet was, but that he would put one of the people's panties in his mouth if. Uh, I had to play that video at the end of this. If, if, if he was wrong on the bet, he ended up saying panties. And then there's a video of him sitting next to this woman. It's so awkward. And he puts the panties fully in his mouth and goes, and then the video. Cuts. That's like the modern version of uh, Werner Herzog eats his shoe by Errol Morris. But that, that except that this is like anyway. weird. Cause the ladies, the, the woman's watching him eat, like put the panties. Were, were they at least edible or, you know, no. what? I don't care. You know what? Okay. That's no, they were great. not edible. They were not. Well, they, what they were just, just watch the Natalie Portman rap and just pretend we watched the uh, David Lynch video. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh god! The, the okay, Natalie Portman no, rap yes, on Saturday no Night Live. We would. We would get. We would get flagged for that. Oh, yeah. so, okay. All right, all right. Point of order. So uh, I think Natalie Portman's got a point here, right? To to have to to put yourself forward as as an artist, which act, acting is art, right? Sorry, South Park guys. Uh, and you can uh, have it taken out of context and like weaponized against you for like the, I get where that I mean like that's that's your world that's your identity that can and that through no fault of your own can damage your brand unless you're talentless in which case can elevate your brand. Uh, no yeah. names mentioned, but I think that that's I don't know. Like, mention the names. <laughs> but I mean, Ray, what what, what do you, how do you feel about that? Um, I think that. I think I understand the frustration, right? Because the the point of the scene is not like to give people hard-ons. You know, it's 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 something it's meant to convey a much deeper meaning. Um, so it's same thing with like David Lynch and being upset about Mulholland Drive. Like if you watch the movie and you get to that scene, like it's so transparently not supposed to like be getting you off or whatever. Like it's a serious development in the film. And then just to have it be re-uploaded, ripped and re-uploaded to like Pornhub devoid of all context. Like you are consuming the art out of context. And I'm not saying like sex work is art. I think that porn is art. Absolutely. But it is meant to convey horniness to the audience <laughs> versus, yeah, you know, the these, intent. Yeah, yeah totally. it's the intent versus the sex scenes and in, in these types of movies that it's not just like a, a naked actress meant to bring people to the theater because the movie sucks. Otherwise, like it's not fucking, I don't know, just a, a movie where a woman pulls her tits out for literally no reason other than that. The fact that the script is so shitty. That this is no the one last time we'll ever see them. these, Michael. <laughs> yeah. take, Ava, take <laughs> this has been experienced, like explained a lot in like Pam and Tommy. Like a lot of people are like, well, how come there's no real full frontal nudity of Lily James, but of Sebastian Stan? I'm like, first of all, that's probably a fake penis he's wearing, unfortunately. So I'm like, you know, it's it's, 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 interesting how it's, it's always they want the woman they want the, and i'm also here like she's probably wearing fake prosthetics anyway so it's like you know yeah yeah it's all fake i mean but i i'm 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 flat out even, not going to watch that but i she does not have the build for the to to that unassisted and and that's fine and i would yeah. i would be fine Anderson either at one point yeah like uh, yeah. this this movie though this movie that scene right like with with Mila Kunis and with uh, Natalie Portman, this movie kind of has um, Mila Kunis almost being like the audience, uh, you know, being the audience corollary when 
she realizes that this happened in her head and like, you know, whatever combination of like the slowly creeping, um, uh, you know, insanity that she's facing because of this role and like her own hallucinations and the drugs and like whatever combination when Mila Kunis laughs it off and goes, Oh, you had a Leslie wet dream about me. How was I like, and kind of laughs yeah. it off that way. Like it's in, in the, in the context of having an extremely intense moment, um, like an incredibly intense, uh, you know, sexual scene and then kind of realizing number one, it didn't happen. Number two, like Mila Kunis kind of just laughing it off. Be like, how was I like, was it good? Like, and just kind of mocking her as she runs away. I mean, like, a, good <laughs> a good response though, because some people would be like offended, and I'll be like, "Hey, awesome! How was I? Was I good?" Like, yeah, wait, yeah. <laughs> it shows her character, right? Because because yeah. she she's the so opposite effortless. of Natalie Portman's character. Right. She's literally she, the she's, black swan to Natalie Portman's white swan. Right, right, right. She 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 has like a breeziness and ease to what she does. It's just very easy for her to lose herself in it because she. It's not like she's not engaging with it seriously, but she's able to reach that more easily because that's more of her personality. Whereas yeah. it's work. It's everything is work with, with Natalie Portman's character. Yeah. Work, like, work, I mean, work, 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 work. <laughs> but it is. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, and that's yeah. that's that's one of like the, the defining parts of her character. Is he's like labors away so much at everything, it's like the exclusion of all else. To the yeah. point of like being in infantilized. Is that that's how you say it, right? Infant mm -hmm. infantilized by nearly everyone around her while also being sexy baby in some cases, you know, which is one of the creepiest things that, that modern culture has come up with for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know, there's a, there's an ambition behind that. And there's like a, a, a like reckless, I think a, not reckless, there's ruthlessness behind it that like Natalie Portman as a, as a character in this is kind of unable to come to terms with. At least and, subconsciously, there's definitely some lizard brain decision-making that goes on, but it's yeah. actually very calculated in its way, but also kind of un underneath like the, the greater layer of just her being a control enthusiast about everything yeah. and every part of what she does. And that started yeah. at birth with her mom, most likely. Which, like her which mother is, made her that way, yeah. but also too, like it sucked that she was, she doesn't have like an escape, which is why Mila yeah. Kunis was like, you really need to relax. And Mila, she's right. She's 100% like right. All escape. Mila Kunis yeah, yeah, is exactly. 99%. <laughs> like she just, she's just flown in from California San Francisco, she's Shows got like up her, late, whatever. She got her Molly ready. She doesn't even need to warm up. Like she, yep. she's just, she's she's uh, you know, she's like I a, was like a, I want to in Florida, like though. her when I grow up because I was like sixteen when this movie came out. <laughs> I remember seeing the commercial for this movie on TV in 2011. I was in like seventh grade. Um, I remember watching the commercial for this movie and thinking it was about demons. I had no idea what this movie was about. It's <laughs> until... hard to tell. Yeah, no, the no, ad no, is no, very. It's one of those films, you know. The, the, this the came out right at the end of my uh, my drought of watching movies because I had kids and I just wasn't getting out to see movies. And they just weren't putting up those sex scenes on Pornhub anymore. Mr. So. <laughs> 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 Skin just wasn't loading as fast as it used to. <laughs> this movie did, though, remind me quite a bit of. Um, the devil wears Prada. Mm. Yeah. Of course it's less tragic. I mean, I think the devil wears Prada is very tragic. Um, but you know, just like the, uh, Oh God, I can't remember the name of the character. Which one? Anna Hathaway's character? No. Meryl Streep's Meryl Streep's character. Well, it doesn't matter, but Meryl Streep's character Cruella is. Deville. Yeah. Cruella <laughs> Deville in um, the devil wears Prada. 
Like she is also, she embodies this obsessive controlling individual and it ruins her. It ruins her marriage. Like it ruins all of her relationships. It ruins her life. And on the outside looking in, she should have the perfect life. But this, this need to be in control, uh, you know, it undercuts her at every turn and this need, this, uh, pursuit of perfection guarantees that she will never achieve that perfection um and it's it's very sad and although she doesn't like kill herself or die um like the the red shoes that's the name of that movie right the old movie that this movie is loosely based on um i watched that with my grandma once by chance and just like saw the you know uh connections between that and that's when i was watching it but just like like those films it's just this this endless pursuit of perfection like Even if ultimately it seems like, because in this movie she's happy when she dies, which is fucked up because which she shouldn't. You can, be. you can argue whether or not she actually dies at the end of this movie because, um, you know, I, I think that Natalie Portman doesn't think she dies at the end of this movie. And yeah, Arnowski films are usually kind of like vague enough where, where like, is this metaphor? You know, mm-hmm. uh, is- Natalie Portman seems to have bought into so. Um, she attempted uh, Ar- Aronofsky kind of said, hey, you get to decide how much of this is hallucination, how much of this is like, you know, um, what's happening, like, you know, within her kind of and how much of it is actually happening. So Natalie Portman's decision was she doesn't die at the end of it. She It's kind of uh, just a, a metaphor about becoming a woman. And so, I mean, which does make mm. perfect sense that like yeah. there's the kind of blood on her, which is kind of almost, you know, period-esque, I guess, like yeah. Yeah. become a woman at the end of the film. So I, I find that That's interesting. That's what happens when you when you when you discover you have your first menstrual cycle and you're like, oh my god, pad tampon, where is it? <laughs> yeah, and then the whole audience is just the whole audience is watching you, and you're just you know mad embarrassed, and everyone's like, what happened? What happened? And you're like, oh man, I didn't have a tampon. <laughs> Goddamn, jeez, oh man. <laughs> plug god, it up. Plug it, it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my youngest was like, oh, it's puberty blood. <laughs> Ray, did you have more to that that you were saying that we kind of got in derivation there? Yes. Yeah, oh, I forgot. No, I don't know. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah, what? just sort of. I think that it's a good. What about cautionary the, like, tale? Whole, what about like they also emphasize like the fear of like having a doppelganger? Yeah, there is kind of some like doppelganger. Yeah. Because <laughs> they had because they, it was like a whole thing about it, like. I guess because like with like understudies and all and like alternative like performers and swings and whatnot, they were like, yeah, there's this thing that goes around where where uh, certain performers kind of have like a fear of like having like a doppelganger, and I'm like, what? Yeah, well, I I think that's less than hmm. having a doppelganger and more about I mean, and and I think I'm that I, I better I, than I, you. I wanted yeah. to well, no, to but I wanted you. I wanted to touch on this uh, during during this entire conversation because you know the Winona Ryder character um, Beth I mm. think is her name yeah. in this. Mm-hmm. So yes. Winona. You can kind of you can kind of see that she's almost in a way I don't want to say corrupted maybe but like she is the Natalie Portman type character right who is this she, like originally you control. have to assume I mean this is all kind of assumed uh, information but like you have to assume she arrived with with this. Um, ballet dancer like the ballet instructor and became his like muse and mm-hmm. throughout that had to like kind of sleep with him the entire time to keep yeah. the roles coming and she's kind of uh reached the end kind of like the 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 you know the the dying swan like in in the swan lake ballet like she's reached the end of her of her rope by this point but like 
you know, she kind of and people uh, were talking trash in in like the dressing room. Oh my room. god, yeah, trash. they were talking about how she was like oh, um, as they always do menopause. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was brutal, and it was sort yeah. of like man, like as a as an aging artist, it's like Jesus. All right, yeah, don't respect <laughs> your elders. <laughs> respect, sonny. Yeah, yeah, but they never, but they never do, and everyone's rooting for your for your downfall, right? So it's not really that you have a doppelganger. It's it's the I mean, and I hate to the reference Showgirls twice in this episode, but like it's a Showgirls thing where you know she literally <laughs> pushes her down the fucking stairs in Showgirl. Like, but it, it always is right. There's somebody kind of lurking when you when you reach that point when you're like the main person on stage. There always is the the. Why not you know, opening night? Why does it have to be Showgirls? Like, there's so many more great. Anyway, go ahead. Fine. <laughs> but like, but no, but because literally in that movie, she pushes her down the flight of stairs, and I've just like, fucking seen it. I just don't want it reference. Natalie Portman didn't push in front of the bus. <laughs> it's like, way, I also screamed. I also screamed. Gina Rollins is better than. I than when she started stabbing herself in the face. I I was like, yeah. ah, ah, oh. ah, like both times. Both so I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> that was that was wild. She, that was a wild. She just scene. like me for real. No. Just, <laughs> okay, let me introduce a third um, theory. I I disagree with both Christina and Forrest a little bit. I think it's less like doppelganger, less rival-esque. I think it's more like uh, having yourself reflected back at you and different versions of yourself, right? Because I mean, the, yeah. the whole thing with the movie is there's mirrors. All she's always looking at reflection, and like their her reflection becomes like her worst uh, hallucination in the movie. Yeah. And so it is points paintings, where she like yeah. walks past people in the hallway and she sees her face on them like very menacingly. Yeah. So I think like in Beth, in her mom, like she sees, you know, her future, right? As right, a dancer, yeah. the inevitable end it will come to in the, her yes. fleeting youth. And in Mila Kunis, she sees, you know, um, the, what she wants to be yeah. uh, or, or what she wishes she could, you know, introduce into herself. She doesn't necessarily want to be her, but she just wants to adopt her as well as keep her own. You well, know, I yeah. pissed all over Andy's Fight Club analogy, but yeah, like the, the <laughs> and Brad Pitt relationship in Fight Club, actually, it, it there is some corollary to it. I just never going to use the opportunity. And, to not and, make it seems, like and it seems it seems to me that almost um, Beth kind of is able to embody, like Winona Ryder is able to almost embody both of them, not in mm -hmm. the way that she's, uh, you know, maybe not in, in her action. She just seems kind of, by that point, she's so, her brain is kind of, and, and her whole mentality has been so corrupted that, like, literally, she's like, oh, you're done with me? I'm going to throw myself in front of a bus. But, like, it is kind of that light and that darkness reflected back. And that's, like, the perfect idol, right? The perfect idol that's kind of been been melted, like, almost. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's the been there forever. Yeah, and, well, but so everyone's like, this is the person that you would aspire to be, but at this point, it's gotten so long that it's sad. Then there's two different kind of, you know, you, the, the light and the dark. Natalie Portman is someone who is so technical with her abilities and so technical with her technique that like part of part of being a dancer, as I say, without in this is like kind of letting go and letting people see this like this free side of you that she's unable to do because she's yeah. so obsessed with control. Meanwhile, yeah. like Mila Kunis is just that like she's just the she, black but girl. she lives in and she and she's a natural talent in that way, which is different than what Natalie Portman does. And I, I, have, yeah. I have something to say to that, but I think Christina gets something right. Yeah, um, God, what was, oh God, what was I going to say? Oh, like, that's how people, like, you know how some people, like, that are, like, older, they, they're such a free spirit, they let loose, and they're, they act so, like, young. And I'm right here. Look young. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so oh, you're, you're talking about our old friend from uh, Dark Crystal. Um, the Agra? <laughs> Agra. Agra. <laughs> but like, Agra like, Posse Gang Gang. It's like if Natalie Portman's afraid, like her character, Nina's like afraid to, you know, end up like Beth or her mom, which means old and bitter and, and frail, even. Milan Mila Kunis is like, I'm doing, I'm 30 years old. I'm doing Molly. I'm not partying. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm going to do you all just this. just like Molly me for real. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And so, so the whole idea of the pursuit of perfection is very interesting because I think most people that actually are artists will agree that um, to a certain degree, you have to let go of that and let the imperfection be part of the art and the pursuit of what you're trying to achieve, which should not be perfection, which is impossible, becomes the artistic goal. And if the goal, the journey itself becomes the destination. And I think that's the difference with like, Mila Kunis honestly doesn't, like her character doesn't seem like she really is got that much invested in. She's like, cool, right on, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'll I'll be the lead or I won't, you know, whatever, it's chill. I can like, just go back to San Francisco if y'all don't want me here. Yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah. but the thing is, that's the happier artist path of, of yeah. like, it's not that she doesn't take it seriously. She clearly does, but she doesn't, she, she's not fitting into the societal norms of it being like, oh, it has to be joyless toil all the time. And if you yeah. aren't perfect, you're nothing. And that's not true. And now and in something like ballet, there is a certain degree of societal pressure that it does have like, you know, it values like quote unquote perfection, which is never actually perfection. Nothing can actually be perfect. But the difference between those two characters is Natalie Portman's character dedicates her life and builds her life around that. Yeah. yeah. And that's the problem is that since it's not achievable, she's constantly disappointing herself and not living. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. It's interesting that there's the, the sexism element of it, which is that, you know, the dancing, like the instructor, right? Throughout Ugh. the movie gets yeah. to kind disgusting. of, he gets to be the guy that's called though, like the, the artist, right? They're like, oh, he's yeah. brilliant. He's the one that's brilliant. It's not the women that are brilliant that are really like pouring their entire lives into this. It's this, this like uh, kind of disgusting, horny French guy. That's like, I know how to seduce you. Like, so that guy gets to be the one that's called like the brilliant artistic genius. And it's almost like the women. Yeah, he takes credit. Of, yeah. Yeah. Stolen the valor. Women, the women that are pouring everything into this and like literally dancing and using their bodies to kind of create art. It's like, yeah, well, he's kind of molding them in the shape that he wants them. And he's, yeah, he's gaslighting the kind of them and, and the... abusing them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's a, that's a very woke statement for someone to change his username to Big Titty Yoda. But that's <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it's interesting. Big Titty Yoda, big, big Titty Yoda makes some good points. Alluding to what uh, Big Titty Yoda was saying about <laughs> gaslighting, like he is he is gaslighting them because uh, you know what what Conan was just getting at. Like Mila Kunis is a very like you know she's let go but in a healthy way in the way that natalie portman can't because she's being forced to let go by uh the director in in, in too quickly in an unhealthy manner but uh, he is painting Mila Kunis to be some evil undermining conniving individual when her character just doesn't seem like she gets a fuck like she right <laughs> she cares about the art right she's she's good because she cares but she isn't obsessed in with it in like a detrimental way and she she isn't like trying to undercut natalie portman in every turn and the way that directors sort of you know insinuate that she is and just created in natalie portman's character's mind uh you know who she believes Mila Kunis to be as 
like the embodiment of evil black swan, but in reality it's that the black swan uh embodied in, in the the way that it's just like i'm calm i'm not like obsessed i am invested but in a way that it's like this is not my life right like i can leave this and do other things and i'll be satisfied i'm not like my perception of myself is not contingent on the way that you perceive me. Yeah. It's a shame Ravana was getting uploaded to the Matrix while making all those excellence points. <laughs> oh, was <laughs> my internet? Yeah, it like right as you started getting your your. But, your but I mean, it's, it, I could yeah. I could hear I could hear. No, we could no, no, but but it, it, it came it came through. It's just yeah. that timing. Okay. I don't know why that connected the route, but sorry. Do you hear? But but no, I think that that's that's I think that's a great point though, and and like there's a certain degree of that dude, like the guy from the Hain and uh, what what was the werewolf movie, uh, Andy again? Brotherhood Speak of the Wolf. Yoda. Yeah, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Uh, he he pits them against each other, and he cle- he so clearly does it, and so clearly it's something that he's done many times before. All in the service of the art. Yeah, exactly. All in the service of. Getting his joint copped, as they say in The Sopranos, right? Uh, but like, I mean, it, it's it's so abhorrent because again, you see the end state of that, which is the Winona Ryder character. I wish I could remember any of the characters' names, but I sorry. Nina, I know Nina is Natalie Portman, and I think Lily is Mila Kunis. Yeah, yeah that, that video. Oh, I shared Tomas, about. Tomas is the Tomas. Tomas, yeah. of, of fucking course, it's a goddamn Tomas. Like that, a guy like that would be like. <laughs> it's what Thomas. other name would it be? He named Thomas. Call let let us call yeah. you Tom. Oh. No, no, it's Tomas. Oh, I'm sure it fucking is. No, there's actually a, a fun uh, little horror movie, uh, which I'm blanking on the name of it. But one of the uh, the main character's name is Thomas. But because he's of Hispanic descent and working with people from Mexico. They kept calling him uh, Tomas. He's like, no, 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 my name's Thomas. So it's like the complete opposite in this movie. <laughs> His art is perfect. He even earns that Tomas. Um, no, I, I, think I don't know that- why there's a French dispensation for that certain amount of arrogance, but there is. Just like there's yeah, a certain char- char- French character. Yeah, and there's a skeeviness that's allowed when it's French too. That like, yep. like I'm, I'm fond of saying with certain movies, I'm like, look, they probably gotta get away with this. It was French, but it's not. I feel like that's how people sort of interpreted that movie, Cuties. Like a lot of people gave it a pass because it was originally French, and then when they made the American version, it yeah. was like the French yeah. version was fine, but some for some reason yeah, the exact same American lot. version was like pedophilia. We gotta save like, those both, American children. Both movies those... were sus. Like we can we can be honest yeah. about the fact that those yeah. movies were very sus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. save the American yeah. children. Those French children, they're gonna grow up. Being perverts anyway, they're French. <laughs> the American children. <laughs> no, yeah, but like also- if they if they had wait, hold on, hold on, I got a thing. If they just remade Wild Things in French, then it would have been okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, no, but there's there's a there's a certain also I think to the story of Swan Lake, as I understand it. I mean, I'm not I'm not someone who's versed in ballet or you know in that what? story. I, I didn't. I didn't, grow, I didn't grow what? up playing with. What? I'm fucking out of here! <laughs> I didn't grow up playing with the Barbie Swan Lake. Uh, you know. Oh, uh, I had the DVD uh, for the movie, and I had the dolls as well. Same. Also, my my grandma used to take me to see ballet all the time. Oh the Nutcracker every Christmas. I've oh, seen I've like several times. Every Christmas. That's the only ballet I've ever seen. <laughs> it's um, good. It's a good ballet. <laughs> um, 
Yo, the dance of the sugar from Aquarius fucking slaps. I don't get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but wait, okay, so real quick. Wait, so so I had a point that I was making though. Oh, so okay. as as kind of a German a, a German story, right? And like almost like a, a very probably Protestant story. Um, the idea of kind of you know the black swan as her sin as an evil kind of evil twin is that she seduces the the prince that you know the white swan's in love with. And it does seem like as we kind of move away from that as as like, oh, well, you know, if if women are horny, it's evil. Like women, <laughs> like horny women are evil. We need to stay away from that. Like it's a very puritanical Protestant way of looking at the world. Um, somebody like Mila Kunis, who in, in this movie kind of is just let go, like, right? Like she's kind of this black swan character in Natalie Portman's mm-hmm. mind. But to everybody else, it's like she just doesn't seem like she really cares that much. You know whether she like is more sexually free than Natalie Portman in this movie. Like she just doesn't seem like she cares that much. She's kind of let go. Just she wants to apologize to her. But but in the story of of Swan Lake, as they tell it in this movie, like the evil thing that the you know it's this evil seductive force that like mm-hmm. comes in and destroys. You know the Swan ends up the White Swan ends up committing suicide because she's the virginal one. She's the pure one. And the Madonna the whore. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, of course, as a dancer, you have to embody both, which is the entire thing of this movie, which I don't understand why you wouldn't just have one white swan and one black swan. No one can really tell from fucking the audience anyway. But, you know, it's I guess it's impressive. That swans, fucking black, grape, chartreuse, whatever. They're dancing, right? I don't, yeah. I don't see swan race. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but it, but it is kind of... 12 years of swan? Come on now. <laughs> This is the last podcast. This is the podcast where you get canceled. (laughs) We made it all the way through John Barber. Wanted a waterboard. Michael Michael Harriet from the from the root that was really angry about Twelve Years a Slave the other day on Twitter. He's gonna just write a whole thing about this podcast. (laughs) Twelve Years a Swan? Question mark. Movie night rapes. It's it's movie night. Ra- like race extravaganza, like race extravaganza. Ra- there you go. Yeah. This is going to be the weirdest pivot in the history of this show. But yeah, the Barbie Swan Lake. I would be interested in hearing uh, Christina you and you and Ray talking about that because, as a, as a dude, I don't know anything about that. Sorry. So can you? As a father, unfortunately, I think I got that from the library for my kids. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Barbie from Swan the library. Wait, it wait, is- back it up. You got it from the library. Well, I'm Rapunzel. Yeah. It's like the best of the Barbie yeah. movies. Um, uh, Prince, cool. Princess and the Popper is the best Ooh, yeah. Barbie Oh, yeah, movie. I have them, too. He's hands down. It's like one has blonde hair, one has brown hair, one lives in a basement dungeon for some reason, the other <laughs> is a princess, but they were both princesses in the end. It's believe really it or good. not, those princesses were played by Walter Matthau and uh, and Jack London. <laughs> 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 well, so so are they animated? Is it like stop motion? Yeah, it's animated. Okay. No, it's yeah, yeah it's like bad three D CG. Mm. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, I, I will say though, in my house, we were much bigger fans of Angelina Ballerina. Um, in this oh, house, we listened to Angelina, Angelina Ballerina. Ballerina. Yeah. In this house, we believe black swans matter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. That was good. That was a nice moment on the show Movie Night Extravaganza. Yes. Our final episode. (laughs) Yeah, it was a good run, everybody. (laughs) Go ahead.
So sorry, tell me about this 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 this, this Barbie uh, this this Barbie Swan Lake business. Like, what's it? It's just like a straight up. They're doing the they're doing the play. Is there like backstory to it? Like, what's happening? It's like the actual story. Yeah, it's the story, but like obviously much less seductress and much less pernicious. I was gonna say it's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty salacious material for something that's sensibly aimed at children. But yeah. yeah, no, it's it's not about like trying to fuck, <laughs> right? Like it's it's more like trying to steal your man. <laughs> With my like beautiful smile, ask yeah. material. Th that's a letterbox one liner for you. <laughs> trying, trying to fuck would be like Swan Lake. <laughs> <laughs> well, but okay. So, and, and here's why I bring it up because, like, how many depictions of, uh, of Swan Lake as a movie are there? I honestly have no idea. I know there's like 70,000 versions of Macbeth, like, right? Like, oh, like, wait, look at that cat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's, 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 oh. let's, take, let's take a moment, everybody. Big take a, chunk. Take a feline moment. <laughs> Do you say deep chunk? Big chunk. Oh, big he, chunk. Yeah, uh, he knows he he knows Ray's voice, so he's like, I have to say hello to Ray Vanna. He's my best friend, and I love him so much. Uh, deep chunk is now my new username, by the way. So <laughs> going in deep chunk. Goddamn <laughs> right, I'm changing it right now. Uh, but but okay, so we always had to show two cats. Oh, <gasps> a Halloween cat. Look oh. at that baby. The one goddamn time these, these cats like scream at the door the entire time they were going. They're like, nope, we're done now. We've my cat is taking a fat nap on my, my bathroom rug right now. So oh, I feel God. that. <laughs> uh, so, okay. How do we feel about this production of Swan Lake? Like, do we feel like this, this is probably like kind of what a larger scale production of Swan Lake is supposed to look like. Is this more like, you know, uh, exaggerated for the purposes of narrative structure? Like, what do you think? I don't know. I, don't, I never did ballet. <laughs> Hard to believe. I know. I never did ballet. I, I doubt she actually grows wings in the show. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, you know, the, the like, behind the scenes stuff. Right? Behind the scenes drama. Like, I don't yeah. know. What, 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 I have what, some what? friends who have done you know, I mean, not necessarily professional ballet, but, you know, they've gone through college uh, as ballet dancers um, and have been like, yeah, because you had to sort of get in at a really young age. So like in high school, they were vying to, you know, join a company as opposed to like, you know, going to college because that's the time you have to be really young. Um, and it is it is cutthroat. It is super competitive. It is um sort of you know you have to be willing to uh, to break your body without breaking your body completely one injury is you're done like you break your ankle uh, you join a company and you break your ankle you might as well have not joined that company you're out you yeah. won't be able to come back in like you won't be able to meet the expectation that they're going to have to you coming back from that injury because everything they're going to tell you you need to be able to do is something that your doctor's going to say yeah no fucking no fucking shot you're doing that <laughs> and it's it yeah. is very it's very stressful and competitive, uh, but simultaneously there's this weird, from what I've heard, I've, obviously I've not been a part of this, I'm not built to be a ballerina. I am wide, I have large thighs. Uh, I would be laughed out of, of any ballet studio aside from when I was like seven years old. But you know, like there is like a, a bizarre, like you're supposed to view each other as a family and like your sisters and, and it's like sort of, mm -hmm. Sort of like a sorority situation, but you're also constantly competing against one another. Say, although they're like insanely competitive. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's it's like you're supposed to have created a family, but you also hate everyone at that family because you need to do better 
than them. You're competing for the same limited amount Just of like roles. Siblings. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and it's a young decision, right? You have to start young. Like if you start like like I, I don't remember what the recommended age group is, but like you start like even like what seems like a somewhat reasonable time to an outsider, like, nope, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's too late for you. Yeah. It's like Yoda in uh, Empire Strikes Back. what's the movie big titty or otherwise yes what's the movie it's about ballerinas it's a horror film and each of area yes i saw it by accident there's a bar in chicago (laughs) i hate it no i love this bar so much they have the best pizza in chicago but they only play weird foreign films. Uh, um, first, I know they could see Suspiria by accident. Oh, by it was way. totally. And, I, and you can ask my best friend, Jay. We went to just enjoy a nice weekend and get some pizza. It was October. So this bar was only playing scary movies. And it was that movie. So I'm biting into my pizza. And I look up and this woman is digging her heart out of her chest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's horrifying. And I but hated it. But I couldn't look away. You've ever I seen, love that though. movie. That movie is so beautifully shot. <laughs> it is an amazing film. But also I hate scary movies. So I went home. I was going to say, I meant that as a compliment, by the way. myself of it. It was so <laughs> bad. Like, be, hey, you being so... the only one that can see Suspiria by accident, that's totally a compliment. So pivoting us, because this did get mentioned, into... Uh, the horror elements of this. Um, I have a clip about the mirror, like using the mirrors, and I thought this was really interesting. Um, oh, cool. I, I, am I the only one? So I know I, I watched this. I, I had not seen this before, but I expected there to be simultaneously more and less horror elements to it. I don't know why I expected both of those things. Like, after I seeing more Russian people for some reason. I don't know after why. After seeing <laughs> the commercials as a child, I thought this film was a horror film. So yeah. I was actually like really pleasantly surprised. I mean, I mean, it is a horror film, right? Like it does... In, in, in some ways, like the last <laughs> 20 minutes of it is anyway. Um, Sound of Metal is a horror film if you're a musician, so take your pick. You know, <laughs> it's uh, this is a, a horror film if you're an aging ballerina. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> so yeah, so this is this is interesting. I really like that. That's so the the guy that's on the left uh, next to Aronofsky. Um, that's the the. Uh, cinematographer for this and i really like his look like he I was just like... at a museum where you touch one of those balls and it like <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got he's got like the gelled yeah. up hair though goatee thing going on that was going on in the uh i mean this is 2010 yeah. he looks like he's gonna be guy fieri's stunt double or something you know? <laughs> he's, yeah he's, he looks like the uh like the filipino guy fieri i guess is the, <laughs> how i describe him people talking about it more and more yes Attaching what we do to ballet is a different story. And then attaching ourselves to that subculture is a different story. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, to me, was the challenge, uh, the biggest challenge of it. So attaching yourself to mirrors was not the biggest challenge? That's just technical stuff. You figure that out. You know, I don't well, think you being, figuring out ways to do it new and fresh and to, re, you know, to reinvent the mirror gag, because I think we all realize that the mirror gag is one of the oldest horror gags out there. But it was... From the day one, we realized reflection because the film is about doppelgangers and because it takes place in ballet studios where mirrors are mm-hmm. omnipresent, that the mirror was going to be a major part of it. So one of the first things I had Andy do was actually pull every mirror gag from yeah, every movie that. he could think of <laughs> as a montage so that we could look at them and say, well, what is every way you can scare someone with a mirror? And then how do we take it to the next level? So is the next level not scaring them and using it for other things? Or I think it, adding a certain creep to it, but but because I think 
you know, we were aware there was going to be a lot of cheap gags in the film. In fact, we called them cheap. What did we call them? Uh, pop shots. Pop cheap shots, cheap gags. We knew they were, but we were trying to have as much fun with them as we could because mm -hmm. we knew that was a genre we were playing with. Um, but how could we make it fresh and different or push it to a, to a, new, um, a new level? Suggesting them in other shots as well that weren't scare moments was a big thing. Mm -hmm. I think funny. that's, yeah, and it just speaks to a consistent language for the film. I mean, there's a scene where she sees Lily for the first time, she walks off. That shot, when that camera follows her, it goes on forever. The cut happens a lot earlier. You just barely see a reflection coming in the left of frame. Mm -hmm. That shot went on forever, but it was too much. But just seeing that little bit of reflection, subconsciously, I think the audience is connecting with that as a language. They see mirrors omnipresent in the sets mm -hmm. and in the spaces. And then they feel the reflections happening naturally. It's I, I think that the way we I think we sort of circumvented the problem of the cheesiness of having a reflection being a gag is using them in ways that weren't uh, so heavy handed. They were just sort of part of the environment. You know, the other thing is we I don't we didn't really articulate this way, but I, I felt like we looked for a way to make it more organic and not necessarily unfair that you just suddenly make something pop. That there's mm -hmm. a there's there's an hour or so in the movie where you have lots of little creeps and things that sneak in there and things that are off. Did I, did I really just see that happen or didn't I? And you don't underline it. Mm -hmm. It's just part of the environment and the paranoia that's surrounding her. So when it all spills over, it's not, it's been set up in the right way. Well, even the paintings in, in Barbara Hershey's room are kind of a mirror gag. Even yeah, though they're not a mirror gag. Yeah. Well, they're all representations of her and also the whole casting. Right. Trying to cast Winona and Natalie and Mila and even Barbara, thirty year, twenty years down the line, you know they're all reflections of each other. I'm glad these dudes brought up Barbara Hershey because she actually is awesome in this, and I feel like there's so many great performances; it's easy to forget about her. Yeah. But yes. like, even though well, she got brought up by Natalie Portman in that clip too, um, when she's talking about how they shot it afterwards. Hold on, really quick. Do you see this cat right here? Oh. oh. Look at her Aww. in her Aww. little box. Kicking it. Oh, <laughs> kicking it. Sorry. I just, uh, I needed to share her with you all. I've inadvertently shared both of my cats on multiple episodes of this show. So, <laughs> fully, fully I'm down. I, I mean, I, I used to, when I, when I used to have cats, I mean, like, you know, I, I used to have them with my ex, and, and the cat would come behind me, and I had this mural behind me that was like a mountain scene. And I would be on Ben's show, and the cat would rip down the mural in the middle of me screaming every time, trying to get attention. So you would just see like the entire thing just go, and then like the facade of like a of of like a really boring wall. I'd be like, God damn it! <laughs> which which the way you worded that was just weird because I'm just imagining you making the cat with your with your ex girlfriend. Yeah, she got pregnant, and then it was a cat, and I was like, Oh fuck, it's a cat. <laughs> so. It's not polite to talk about people's age, doubly so for actresses, but um, I just, for the heck of it, decided to look it up. Barbara Hershey's 74. So oh, she would have been like, so 12 years ago was, was when this movie was made. She was 62. Right? She does not Damn. look 62. She didn't look that. That is, that is in Barbara Crampton level genes. I mean, like, Jesus, does this woman age? You know how it's hard, you know. Part vampire. Speaking of, yeah, speaking of Barbara Hershey, uh, just how difficult it is for actresses over 40 to actually get roles, period. To, to even be freaking cast in literally anything. Yeah. Emmy exactly. Rossum yes. is 35 years old, and she's going to be playing Tom Holland's mother. That's in insane. Yeah, I, I That's saw, I saw literally that insane. Picture. I'm like, what? She's my sister's age. I'm like, 
She's supposed to be playing five years up and he's supposed to be playing five years down, but like she is a young looking woman. Like that's insane casting. Presumably, presumably, I mean, making a guess uh, that the character of the mother is supposed to be like 47, I'm going to say 48, Mm. because she's, she's before, I mean, she's not. 20. It's implied that it ruined her ballet career that she had. Yeah, she was <laughs> I, remember, I remember she said, oh, you really? It ruined your ballet career? You were 28. So, like, assuming she's, like, 18 or 19, right? Yeah. Like, when the, when when she's in this movie, it, 47 would be how old the mother is. I mean, she does. I mean, right, she which, looks, at, like, in her, like, 40s, she looks, early 50s anyway, so. Yeah. 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 I mean, she's, like, age-appropriate beautiful, right? But, but let, yeah. like, like, Aronofsky, like, let, let's not forget, like, Requiem for a Dream, Ellen Burstyn's performance in that. Oh, yes, crap, amazing! And, and I love afraid that. to hire older actresses. Well, exactly, kind of- and and like that shouldn't be something that you get a freaking cookie for. But yeah. like, I mean, credit where credits do. Like, you know, like he's 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 gone. He's put more effort than most have, which is to say nothing. Yeah, into doing so. <laughs> Yeah, less more than nothing is a lot of effort somehow. But um I mean it's interesting. Also, right? I just it, want to talk you, about Requiem for a Dream apparently because I fucking love that movie. Although I, I, that movie. I love it, but I hate it. Five stars, don't want to watch it. Thank you. It, I mean it's it's yeah, I I think I've seen parts of it. I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing because it's, I'm like I don't it's so yeah. good, but it, it is the most it's the it's the most messed up bummer trip ever. Like it's like oh, <laughs> yeah, no, every time I've ever talked about anything involving like one of my friends going through addiction or something, that's the movie that my mom brings up. And she's like, Requiem from a Dream. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I don't want to <laughs> delve into it. It's no man with a golden arm, but. <laughs> but they did copy that shot, though, of uh, of uh, Frank Sinatra's eyes. Yeah, they did. Yeah, Actually, yeah. it's. And we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about Black Swan. So let's talk about Black Swan. But we should do Requiem <laughs> someday because I absolutely adore it. And it's. It's got uh, it's got some great performances, including by someone, a male lead who I will not name that I don't generally freaking like, but he's mm. great in that. Um, the that yeah. So, so the thing is though that like the two kinds of roles you can get kind of because I mean it's expanding a little bit, right? Like for female act, like for actresses that you know are getting a little bit older, you can kind of get a role over like sixty five or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Cool and grandma, you, yeah, yeah. You you get kind of a cool grandma thing, and then you get like an under. Like, Yo, cool grandma can get it, all right. It's very similar to how the porn industry works when it comes Grandma's to boy. women who are milfs. Like, once you're thirty, you're a milf. That's the, if yeah, you're, yeah, that's, if that's you're crazy, like twenty but... to like twenty nine, you're considered like you know the daughter role. I mean, it, it's it's interesting how it's like once you're thirty. You're old. You're old enough to be a mom. Like, yeah. look at Emmy Rossum. She's 35 and she's playing. I mean, even Aubrey Plaza in the uh, Beetlejuice remake. Not the Beetlejuice re- The Child's Play. Oh. I got Beetlejuice <laughs> on my mind. I was like, say what? <laughs> but, <laughs> but Aubrey Plaza played a mom for the first time in Child's Play. What? She's so young. Yeah. And the excuse was, oh, I had fun on my uh, at a party when I was 16. I'm like, of course. They have to make a teen mom. For we're the generation of we're the generation of teen moms, right? Like it's it's kind of. I guess they're starting to do that now. Well, no, but they they've introduced that concept into the lexicon, so they can do things like that. Like I feel like they introduced that reality show to kind of uh, make that <laughs> a, a pretty common thing within our within our. I culture, mean, to be but, fair, like, yeah. there were pregnant girls in my middle school long before teen mom existed. Oh yeah, I knew a girl who was twelve and she Max. had a kid. <laughs> 
that's there, there, I know I know plenty of girls that were teen moms. I'm just saying, like, you know, it, it is kind of a concept they've uh, brought into the culture. I mean, through that show, but also just in general to like continue it so that like the dis- there's a disproportionate amount I think of teen moms in movies uh, versus yeah. like teen moms in in real life. Like, depends was- on where you are. But yeah, <laughs> can I can I just point out something that um, apparently Gina Rollins, when she did A Woman Under the Influence, anybody want to guess how old she was? Mm. I'm going to guess 40, 48. Pretty close. She was 40. She was 44 years old. And that was uh, one of her first breakout roles. Opening night was three years later. Yeah. Right. Well, that, but she I mean, was still. Was... A bit of... Go ahead. All right. All right. Sorry. No, I, I was just saying that, like, it's, it's just crazy. So that's the 70s, right? And, of course, it's 70s and it's Cassavetes, right? Who, like... Got, yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's what I say. That's her husband directing her, like... Sure, but, like, yeah. A Woman Under the Influence is maybe one of the best acting performances of all time. Yeah, and no, we it's... covered no, in the show. I, we talk watching about it, you know, right? watching yeah, it, we, it's an amazing, it's an amazing movie. I'm just saying, astounding. like... I, I'm but just like, saying, like, when, when it comes down to, like, the casting of it, right? It's Cassavetes casting his best friend and his, his wife as... Well, it's not nepotism. Well, it's not right? nepotism because she had the skills. But like she was she was playing a part that was like probably 15 yeah. years younger than she actually was. Mm-hmm. But it didn't matter because she was so goddamn good at it, right? And that's why it's acting and not documentaries. Yeah. I mean, they, they, also, they also did something similar with like Unfaithful with Diane Lane. Like she was only like in her like mid 30s, mm-hmm. but like Olivia Martinez was also like like close to her in age, like a year younger, yet they made him seem a lot younger like in his like 20s. Yeah, they also did something uh, similar with the Irishman. <laughs> we don't we don't talk about that on the show. We don't real, speak of the Irishman. Really yeah. quickly though, Forrest, could you give give us a review of those uh, surge? That's what you're drinking, right? The surge white no, claw. No, I wasn't drinking a surge white claw. I've, I'd I'd like have to welcome though. our sponsor, My, surge white claw. <laughs> the surge white claw made me physically sick. Uh, it just, They're strong. No, no, it wasn't that it was strong. It's just something about it kicked up like my acid reflux and, and oh. I felt very sick the next mm-hmm. day after drinking that. Yeah, I have an upset stomach. It happens. I'm <laughs> drinking, I, this, this is a bang and I hate to, you know, show up. Oh, that's a bad time. company, but I love a bang. Yeah. <laughs> we love a good bang on this show. You, you um, could, you could probably take that in context to get money for that, Ray. Like just by saying that. So somebody put said worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so I have one more one more thing that I really wanted to bring into this conversation because of Andy and his his role on the show, Andy Pop Shots World. Um, I found I found a clip of in that interview. Uh, they're talking about the color palette. So as soon as I see anybody talking about the color palette in a movie, I'm like, I got to grab that for uh, for 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 Andy to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yo, that was probably the most fun episode. That was a fantastic episode. That episode is upper echelon, just to say the least. (laughs) I I didn't. I mean, like, like I know Andrea, but I don't know her that well. So I was like, I don't know how she's gonna fit in on the show necessarily. And then she fit in perfectly, and I was like, Oh fuck yeah! Like that. (laughs) She was a blast. She was awesome. She got it immediately. Mm -hmm. You love that. It's it's like Werner Herzog watching the skateboard videos. Where did you guys? Where did you guys, uh, Maddie and Andrew, start in terms of this? Did you had you been reading scripts as they were coming in along the way and developing, or 
Do you start from the day Darren says, okay, we're going to actually shoot this thing? <laughs> I mean, we, I started when uh, he decided he wanted to work with me again. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I had heard about it after Requiem for a Dream. It was called The Understudy. So this thing's been around forever. Um, it was, I, th I think I might have heard about it initially before The Fountain. Mm-hmm even shot as a as something that he was thinking about doing uh, fountain sex it wasn't until after the wrestler he decided to do it and then uh i probably came on what uh three months before we actually started shooting yeah but you probably read the script way before i had you? read yeah i had read a couple different drafts of the script one as the understudy and then another mm -hmm. one as black swan so so was the look of the film given in the script or no that, that had to be that had to be sort of uh, it was when me maddie and therese and Amy West got the costume design. It got together. I remember the meeting. We had two or three days of meetings, which is always how it happens. Same thing on the yeah. fountain. You just sit in a room till you get it. We just sit around, throw out ideas. You and when you start with a color film, you start with color. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Color or kind of a whole sort of um, approach to framing would be, you know, or approach it. You know, what what type of you know how the frame's going to work. But those are the two main things you got to attack. The palette's a big one. I mean, deciding on the palette's a big one. And then the language, it, it, it informs the language. Mm -hmm. And the camera movement and the framing, the composition informs the language. So, you know, those are the two things we concentrate on mostly. The quality of the light, and it just speaks, that that just sort of happens naturally after we decide what kind of environment we're trying to create. Mm -hmm. You know, the fountain was clearly, uh, you know, it's three different worlds, but there was something symbiotic between them all, obviously, with the character. And then this one was something that had to be set in reality, especially because, you know, the original uh, conceit was that it was an accompaniment film to The Wrestler. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to honor that even, you know, not having done that, I wanted to honor what I, I had, what I felt atmospherically mm -hmm. from that film. And then, but said, set it in the ballet world. So that was the bit of a challenge, but that was, that went into the, the construction of the visual language of the film. And was what about the complexity? I mean, are you sitting there going, this is more difficult than a normal fil another film that you may have made? Or is it just what it is and you're figuring out things the same way? I think every film's difficult if it's worth doing, you know? And this one had, you know, the, obviously this one had challenges that no other film that I've ever made had. But, uh, it, you know, there was things that came a lot easier too. Like one, but just the the relationship part of it. We we've basically built a career on concentrating on character. Mm -hmm. I think I like to think as stylized as the films that we've done together are. I think that we've always attached what we do as a collab in a collaboration to character. Mm -hmm. So that part came naturally. I think I low key fuck with that guy. I like his, I like his vibes. I don't like his haircut. I like his vibes. <laughs> I like I like that guy and I like his haircut. I, I just feel like when do <laughs> you just ever... wish you had hair? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Okay, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> got real here for a minute. Okay. <laughs> no, but I I I just I don't know. I just don't feel like I, I see a cinematographer with that vibe. There's a clip where he's talking about Roger Deakins and like being in the same room, and he's like, "No, I still can't. I still can't." form sentences when I'm in the same room as Robert, oh, yeah. Roger Deakins. All like, right, now I, I really like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> no, no, like, you know, the colors were actually kind of interesting because there was a lot of black and white in this, um, you know, because of the whole white swan, black swan thing. And, and notice like the transition period when, when she was starting to collapse, she was wearing gray and then, you know, before mm -hmm. she became the black swan. But at yeah. first she was, she was wearing white because she was the white swan, you know, like, like, um, 
uh, our favorite Frenchman said, you know, you know, I can't, I, you're the perfect white swan, but uh, you know, you don't have the black swan in you. And then, you know, you see, would it you like of, to, would you like some Frenchman in you? Yeah. <laughs> you do not, you do not have the black swan in you, by the way. I call me my, my dick black swan. Would you like some black swan in you? <laughs> but she also wears pink, right? When she's with her mom at home, a lot of the yeah. time she's, yeah. she's show wearing pink, which is like I'm assuming meant to symbolize her being treated like a little girl by her mom. You know, you dress your little girls in pink and frilly things, and that's yep. what she wears at home. And her room Man. is horrendous. The worst room I've ever seen in my fucking <laughs> life. Like a five-year-old's room. Literally also like a five-year-old's room. Paintings Dancing A+. plus. Room D minus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what she needs? She needs some fucking Jordan Peterson. Clean your clean <laughs> clean, clean your room in your fucking room. Clean your room, Bucko. <laughs> I mean, can you blame can you blame Mila Kunis for, for denying that she was there that night? You know, like, like she was probably really embarrassed Didn't also near the end when she was really like really fighting what was like going on inside her. She was throwing away her stuffed animals and like doing this and doing that. And I'm like, good for you, finally doing something about that god awful room. Yeah, but there's also there's also an awkward thing where she's yelling at her mom and she's like, "I banged everybody tonight." And I was thinking like, if Mila Kunis actually was there, like that character, right? At first, you don't know whether she was there or not, and she's kind of just yeah. staying there while fucking, you know, while she's yelling at her room, being like, "Tom and Jerry, awkward. I banged both of them." Yeah. And yeah. I had a I had a friend, um, like one of my, Danny, Mo, Jack, all of them, the whole old <laughs> nine yards. Sebastian so, Stan. So one, my, so one of my best friends, Ryan, um, he, he was black and and he's. He's always like, he, he always would make fun of me because like if my mom and I got into a fight and he was living at our house for a while, like if he's like, no, like it's, it's weird that like white kids will like just yell at their mom's back and like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, as, like black dudes don't like, don't do like, you don't do that in a black family. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the, I mean, I'm sure there are black kids that do do that, but like in general, like that's like a very white kid thing to do. So I was just thinking about like white swan, black swan, and fucking uh, <laughs> Mila Kunis just ah, watching her, watching her fucking scream at her mom and being like, "You sh- black like- swans be like this, and black swans be like this." <laughs> this is the last episode of the show. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> that, that sealed the deal. <laughs> I'm leaning into it, friends. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say the word. Just want no. <laughs> I'd like to think right? that she did fuck Mila Kunis because I'm jealous. So, I know, right? I mean, goals. <laughs> right? Although Mila Kunis, I think, is one of those weird parents who like doesn't bathe their children. Her Not and really. Ashton Kutcher are like super. Like, they're like, yeah. I, what's the other woman's name from um, the really crappy TV show about heaven? The Good Place. Kristen Bell. Oh, Kristen Bell. I like Bell. I like The Good Place. I think it's a bad show, but I like The Good Place. Okay, don't you dare. Sp- speak ill about the queen but she is weird like she all her kids live in they all sleep in the same room her her husband and her kids um and they don't bathe they don't bathe (laughs) they don't like take baths they smell really they smell so bad that she like there was like a a fungus in her bed she i don't know why they're so open about this that she thought it was her husband's feet but it smelled so putrid (laughs) It took them forever to figure out that their mattress was growing a fungus because she thought it was just her husband's. They like, just put it out there for the world to hear. Oh. Well, oh. Dax Shepard no has shame. a podcast. No shame. Dax Shepard has a podcast where he talks about a lot of different stuff. My brother tried to get into that pot. Like my brother tried to get me into that podcast. And I was like, no, I will not. <laughs> 
Hey, that's a pass, dog. <laughs> yeah. I think he had like some Sam Harris episode or something that my brother told me. I don't know. There was some weird thing that happened with Dak Shepard. I'm not being Shepard into that herd. Sorry. Is it almost letterbox yeah. time, by the way? Say, talk about lack of shame. Dak Shepard's in the comebacks. Anyway, Letterbox is a place for film. It is a open source <laughs> democracy. Everyone gets to have their say. There's no Eberts, no Siskels, no Lords, no Masters. Uh, everybody gets to have their time in the sun to crack wise, opine, uh, just be be on the internet. As we I all gotta know say, though, like like Ebert, I don't have much of a chin. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, these this is the recurring bit that we do on this show, where I comb, I code a neutron, comb all of the reviews of Letterboxd and find the ones that are the funniest, the weirdest, the most baffling, oblique prone to conversation, whatever, usually expressed in the one-liner form, which, as many things in the internet, succinct is best. I, myself, am not succinct. We all know that about me. But uh, these are the ones that I pulled for Black Swan. Forrest, let him have it. I'm never going to look in a mirror, cut my nails, listen to music, wear lipstick, acknowledge the existence of birds, or masturbate again. You, <laughs> she does masturbate in front of her mom, and we didn't talk about that. Yeah, you know, yeah that that was maybe one of the most horrific things about this movie for me. <laughs> yeah, big uh, big exorcist energy. For Forrest screamed in that scene too. <laughs> I would hope. So. Ah, ah! <laughs> Imagine if she went to therapy. <laughs> I know, right? It would have been goddamn unstoppable. Would have been twenty <laughs> minutes long too. Girl, what the girl? What the fuck, <laughs> Alexia? With that one, <laughs> this is not like the Barbie movie. And she's right, and she should say it. Nicole is right. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm actually reading the reviews for the Barbie movie, and it, it's quite amazing. Like, um, this one person uh, said that uh, Stanley Kubrick and Quentin Tarantino could never. This movie invented. <laughs> Probably true. Are we subredditing the letterbox one-liners? I love it. Whiplash, but for mentally ill hot girls. Hell yeah. True. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a, that's a true statement, really. Yes. Mila Kunis going down on Natalie Portman is modern cinema. <laughs> well, we know which side he watched this on. <laughs> <laughs> Five stars by Jess, yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, it's good she gave it five stars. Get horny or get off my stage. <laughs> Vincent yeah, I, now. I, I love I love that scene. I love that scene where you think he's gonna try to get with her and he doesn't try to get with her and he's like, Go home. My 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 assignment for you is to masturbate at home. Which number one, you know fucking Natalie Portman's character loves homework, so true. <laughs> true. And you should say it. I was really hoping she'd look into the mirror as a full-on swan. You know what? Hard, hard same. Hard same. I like that. Hard That's same. funny. That's good and true. Big swan energy. You got to lose yourself in the music. The moment the mo you own oh, it, you better never let, let, let it go. go. I mean, I oh, made that, that, I made that joke. Not thinking about that review, I made that joke yesterday <laughs> when he goes, you must lose yourself. And he's like, his dun, arms dun, are heavy. He's weak. There's a vomit on his sweater already. On her mom's sweater spaghetti. Already. Mom's spaghetti. You know what I mean? Like that's that's her going into the show. Like big mom's spaghetti. Going injury. into the ballet. Yeah. 
Wearing Uggs on a regular basis will do that to a person. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> every every bring it up with Haley, who did not rate this film. Haley Exton, what the fuck did you mean by that? What's every, what? no, every girl in 2010? Me. Every girl in 2010 watching this. I relate to this movie. I don't know. Something about it. <laughs> it it's, it's the webbing of my feet uh, of wearing Uggs. <laughs> Haley will see Ravana uh, at the round back of the Arby's. Uh, and I yeah. will be there too, by the way. Just saying. Thank Those you are letterbox review. Those are letterbox review one-liners for Black Swan, everybody. Movie Night Extravaganza. Uh, you can follow Movie Night Extravaganza on Letterboxd. Movie Night Extra, that's Forrest over there. I, of course, am Conan Neutron. And then J. Andy World over there the, with the palette attack. Uh, he, he's on there. Pop shots. Uh, Christina, Raymond, neither are you on Letterboxd, right? I am. I'm Christina. You are. Actually, yes, Christina yes, is facing as well. Follow, follow Christina. Follow all of us. I've never seen a movie, so I couldn't. <laughs> Ravana only sees movies by accident. I only yeah. see movies by accident or to prepare for this podcast. <laughs> Letterboxd, which puts you above some of the guests, by the way. Uh, Letterboxd, <laughs> a place for film. Uh, Isn't that kind of what Anna Gasparian said coming on this, by the way, on our on our Blue Velvet? So she's like, I haven't watched a movie in a while. <laughs> yeah, more or less. And it was Blue Velvet, and she did not care for it, which is incorrect. I love Anna, but that was the wrong opinion. Blue Velvet oh. is a fantastic film. <laughs> Agreed. And it was really hard for me to be backstage for that section of it. Anyway, I, know, I, I uh, did it. I did it for as long as I did it on purpose. Oh man, I came out. I can't. I came out like Rocky Balboa on that one. I was like, all right. First of all, dissenting opinion. Blue Velvet is awesome. Like, and then. I'll be wet. Uh, Letterbox place for film. Uh, follow all of the various people that we put on Letterbox. There's also um, lots of other things you should do on there. Uh, it's a cool site. We are not not a sponsor. Andy, take it away. Yeah. Well, while you're doing cool things, make sure that you are uh, subscribing to us if you can. And if you have a uh, Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free. So please do that. Um, also, we have a uh, uh, this this appears um, on YouTube. You know, like and subscribe, um, click that little bell, do all those YouTube things, and uh, that'd be fantastic. And of course, we still uh, we also have a Patreon, which um, you know keeps the show going, um, lets us lets us do really cool things at times, and not really. Um, uh, we, we not so subscribe. far, but at some point, we, we, that's the cool. Yeah, yeah. We, we, um, but but we are going to expand like what what we're giving to you uh, on that. Uh, I think uh, next week we're we're uh, doing our, our uh, a bonus stream. For, for uh, subscribers, yeah, um, for uh, like we're doing a post game for uh, this is revolution, so you know, uh, subscribe now so you can watch that. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, do all that stuff right now. If it, so, thank you, Andy. If it was me, I would have said ring that bell like Mila Kunis rang Natalie Portman's. <laughs> oh! By the way, by the way, my my letterbox one liner for this movie, if I was doing that and not like having a deeper analysis of it. Would have been uh when when Natalie Portman's about to like make out with fucking Mila Kunis after taking the Molly and she's like getting real into her face. I'm like about to make out with your same sex friend, like while rolling face. Like she's just like me for real. <laughs> I went through a I went through a like making out with my guy friends while rolling face phase, and it was good, it was interesting. Good. That was like As my yeah. It was. So yeah, so watching that, I was like, yeah, yeah, I've been there. Like this is. <laughs> she just like me. She just like me for real. Me and Christina <laughs> when we finally link up. Yes. 
Digs in her back. She's just like me for real. feathers. <laughs> I also have wings. Me slamming my mom's hand in the door. <laughs> she just like me. I don't want any more cake, mom. God fucking damn it. <laughs> realm. All right. Well, starting starting with Ravana. Final thoughts uh, about this movie, about Natalie Portman, about you know. Um, Head from Mila Kunis. I don't know. Whatever you want to throw in there. I mean, that that's a topic for every show, frankly, if you're asking me. <laughs> yes, very valid. Um, I liked the film quite a bit. I liked Natalie Portman's performance in the film a lot because I didn't like her character. And I think that's because I've taken the black swan pill um, a little too much in my personal life. So I did not empathize with her. Um, but like the fact that I couldn't empathize with her made me enjoy the film more. Um, I think it's like a really, I think that the lesson from the movie is, is uh, important in all aspects of art because I think content creation is art. And I think that a lot of content creators is, take is themselves bitches be, is bitches be crazy. The yeah. Right. <laughs> I think a lot of content <laughs> creators take themselves way too seriously on their pursuit of perfection and having the best take and making the best content. My YouTube video isn't perfect yet. So let me delist it and make all these changes and put it back up and then delist it five days later. Mm. These comments, criticizing it and, you know, so on and so forth. And it's just, you know, I, I think we all need to a little bit embody more of Mila Kunis's character in this film and say, uh, you know, we give a shit about the craft, uh, but at the end of the day, we do what we do and we should lead into that. And, you know, if if we don't become the most famous Twitch streamer or a YouTuber or whatever, that's okay as long as we're enjoying what we're doing and putting out content that's true to who we are. Uh, I've definitely watched it as because you know I didn't see it when I was a kid or didn't see it when it came out. I didn't watch it till yesterday. So when I watched it, it was like you know I'm applying it to my own form of you know what I perceive to be art. So that's just sort of how I viewed it, and I liked it. I think that it's a good movie. I think that it's you know shot really well. I think that uh, generally I I I really liked it versus some of the other movies I've seen to come on here. Uh, namely one <laughs> film and that film uh, was Nightmare on Elm Street and fuck you for making me watch that oh, but I actually really like this <laughs> Freddy Krueger just like me for real fuck uh, him <laughs> gross both the movies though had a scene in the bathtub that got fucking weird that's true, <laughs> that's true. The five, uh, the uh, not Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street one was worse though and grosser. So, yeah. Well, she started bleeding in the fucking tub, but yeah, I guess sure. That's different. Oh. <laughs> he like sexually assaulted a child in the tub. Like different. <laughs> Assumably, so did Pumas at some point in his. Oh, career. Hey. at some point in his career, I don't know. It's not, okay. Not He's with... French. <laughs> We, we allow that apparently. <laughs> Black Swan or Cuties? Which one? Which one? Ah, <laughs> nah, come on. Yes, it's I very Roman Polanski. I didn't watch the French version. I didn't watch the U.S. version. I have no interest in watching either of those movies. I'm just throwing that out there. And don't. Yeah, please don't. I won't. 
I want no. <laughs> So next episode of uh, Movie Night Extravaganza, we're doing Cuties. So come back, come back on Friday <laughs> when we talk about both versions of Cuties and which ones we enjoyed more. Anyway. Um, it's great being on this show. Thanks, everybody. It's my last episode. <laughs> Christina, I'm sure you have paragraphs on paragraphs. Let's hear it. So Black Swan is my favorite movie of all time. It's one of those movies that I can watch over and over and over and over again and not get bored. Natalie Portman is phenomenal. Mila Kunis is amazing. Very like underrated as an actress, in my opinion. The cinematography is amazing. I love the Black Swan score that is used from Swan Lake. Um, I just, I love the idea of, of like this need for perfection and like resistance to letting go. Um, yeah, it's it's you would think I would have a lot of paragraphs, but like I've seen it so many times where it's just like I don't even know what to say at this point because it's people find it weird that like Black Swan would be my favorite movie, but I'm like there's just something about it that I love and it's hard to really put my finger on it. No, or, I get it. You're, you're you shoes wanna, on it. You want to stab Ravana with glass when you meet her, and she will, <laughs> and it'll be awesome. And I welcome it. It's this my turn to be on the TYT Twitch. It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's invited me on, so it's all good. I She's been on twice now. I'd yeah. have her on anytime. She's she's amazing, and I love her. Wow, I would have thought it was more than twice, but, you know, I guess. If you really want to have her, <laughs> <laughs> he's just see. like Tomas. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Tomas, come here. I, literally I, am, I am seeding conflicts to try to make the apps <laughs> better. Um, no, and, and I think that Mila Kunis kind of suffers from her own uh, attractiveness in some ways because I've never seen her in a performance. I have the like, same problem. <laughs> Four Days or whatever it's called was a really, what's the movie she did with Glenn Close recently about uh, her playing uh, a heroin addict? I, I think she was, her character was addicted. Yeah, I, saw, I, saw, I saw scenes of her playing a heroin addict. I didn't know what movie it was for. I kind of yeah. assumed it. No, it, it got some, it, it's based on true story and she does a really good performance. It's still like, like, yeah. But uh, no, so I've never seen her in something that I'm like, oh, Mila Kunis did a bad job. But I think like her attractiveness in some ways makes it so that people don't exactly take it seriously. Like, oh, Mila Kunis is in another movie. So, I mean, that that kind of makes it interesting, right? To be to be like, well, yeah, her performance is really good, even if some people think it's strange that, you know, is that way. It's like, yeah, but she's like a good actress. I, I don't. She's got skills. She's yeah. very good. She's very, very good. Now it makes me want to watch uh, the American Psycho sequel that she starred in. Uh, Andy. <laughs> 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 Stop. Conan, let's hear some final thoughts. All right, you got it. All right. So final swans. Just, your swan let's, song. Let's just cleanse the palate with a palate attack here. Uh by the way, that was well, the only one that didn't that heard that because I was like, palate attack? Why is it attacking? Like, why is it like such an aggressive thing with color? Anyway, whatever. We, that was like 20 bits ago. <laughs> the pursuit. <laughs> Of perfection is a powerful drive. Many artists of all kinds break their ship on the rocks in its pursuit. So this is a very tense and taut character study of, uh, of uh, doubt, self-doubt, real, real world concerns, delusion, and borderline psychosis that an artist can go through. And in this case, the art is ballet. But it could be, it's attributable to anything. And I love Ravana's uh, analogy towards like, you know, streaming and things along, because it really does is applicable to anything. Uh, Portman, Cunis, brilliantly acted. Um, Barbara Hershey, also great. Everyone in this is pretty badass, frankly. Uh, Even Sebastian it, stands one small scene. Where <laughs> Sebastian, <laughs> Stan, Sebastian stands really the standout. But, uh, well, uh, I've never, I've never seen ballet, so 
<laughs> you guys um, dance, right? You dance. That's what you guys do. That's what ballet is. I don't know. I don't. Or are you guys the people that park cars? Are the it's a ballet? Ballet? I don't. <laughs> so anyway, uh, this th- I love the rivalry slash friendship slash you know Andy's Fight Club fantasy of Cunis uh, and, and and Portman like and it does keep you guessing right and, and I love more importantly I love the dedicated worker of the craft, which is Natalie Portman's character and the more effortlessly cool natural talent which is Amelia Cunis that it's well laid out. There's many twists and turns, but like the dichotomy between them and the fact that Portman wants what Tunis has in, in, in this, like her their characters do anyway. And I wish I could remember any of the characters' name. I love this movie, by the way. Nina uh, and Lily are the characters. Nina and Lily. So, yeah. but she wants what she has, but doesn't even realize that like when like that, oh, I let it go. I got to practice letting go. I got to practice letting go. Let That's it go. A- let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm frozen over here. I don't know how to practice letting go. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I, I, we really went there, huh? Okay. Uh, well, Kristen Bell is in that too, right? Well, Andy's a dad, so I just followed him. I was gonna, you get parent dispensation for sure. For yeah. It's kind of like the allowance you give to French people, but with corniness. Well, we, <laughs> my, my kids made me watch uh, Frozen. It was just like, that. they were like, isn't she so talented? It's like she just like me for real. Anyway, <laughs> so the dichotomy between their two characters and how they approach the art, I think, is actually really good in terms of looking how people approach art. Because some people look at it like homework assignments, right? And some people like look at it like the, hey man, it's about the journey, right? And and like if I happen to be really badass at this, that's great. But I'm not going to bother showing dance practice when I don't want to because I got shit going on. Uh, there's also a big factor of sexual repression and uh, awakening that plays a huge role. Transactional exchanges we got into like somewhat um, and perceived transactional exchanges, which is kind of where like, I feel like this movie like elevates into something real special is the fact that you, your mind naturally goes certain places and it fills in blanks that may or may not be there. And I actually really dig that. So all that included, I think I've rarely seen a film that's more effective at showing the psychic cost it takes to bear your soul for your art. Well, you see, and I was stoked about it. One thing that we didn't talk about is that you see that part where um, Tomas is having sex with. I don't even know, like they they purposely don't really show the face. I think it's the girl that she says, "Oh, congratulations to or something." At first, she she witnesses that sex scene, and then all of a sudden, he turns into the black swan. And like right yeah. in front of her, and that's like one of the one of the early moments where you're like, "Oh fuck, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Yeah. Like, is any of this real?" Um, but that's all about her pathos and her and her her yeah. Like she's but, but I'm saying like seen... so with with perceived transactional you know yeah exactly relationships like you're yeah. you're looking at that and you're like, how much of this is real? How much of this is her kind of feeling jealousy because for once, uh, you know, Tomas is paying attention to other uh dancers which he does on purpose obviously to try to inspire her to be better in his mind to inspire his creative genius to be put up on a, on a pedestal you know what i mean so it's like throughout this movie you're kind of wondering that in a lot of different occasions because of the fact that it's like also when mila kuna says oh i saw him this morning and like kind of gives you that thing like you're kind of filling the blanks with that and it's like how much of that is actually him like oozing sexuality in all of his uh relations with these dancers uh, using that power dynamic to like, you know, be French or whatever. 
and how much of it is uh is is actually happening so i don't know i find that like kind of fascinating also the fact that she's kind of the one that spurns him by biting his lip we didn't even talk about that and that's what got gets her the role um which is like a weird right. reverse werewolf thing like she bites him and God then she it. becomes the werewolf. <laughs> she is the werewolf oh no i must give his role um but andy so, so well, no, well hold on hold on i actually wasn't okay. done uh, but I had one more line. Which, which, so first of all, like okay. I say it again because this is important. I want this to be heard. That I, I've rarely seen a film that's that effective at showing the psychic cost that it takes to bear your soul for the art. And yeah. also, I'm really glad we covered this because I finally watched it. Thank you, Christina, because this is a great movie. Hmm. There you go. That's and it also it also gives you that gives you that um, the art the artist quality of it, right? It's something that is extremely uh, um, tenuous, like. Ballad, like ballad sure. dancing as the most kind of tenuous art form because you're kind of done with it by 20 something like you know what i mean like well well there, there, there's a hard end for it but i mean also like to a certain i mean i could if, if anyone was wanted to listen to me rattle on about it, i could absolutely apply all of this to like music to making records yeah and things along those, as andy could towards like you know visual art and stuff along no those i it all, as it we all, all could towards podcasting and in, in, in some cases ravana has like it's it's a it's applicable to everything but it's the most tragic that it's something that literally there's a, there's a there's not a perceived end date. There's an actual end date where you yeah. physically cannot do these things anymore. Yeah. Right. That's, and that's and it's harsh. not the ending. That is it's a not the ending where you're not physically capable of doing it anymore. It's not the ending where you're like, oh well, this person isn't physically capable of dancing. I'm sure Beth is physically still capable of dancing. It's sure. just like the audience is like, oh no, this it's perceived. Cool. The, yeah. The, the the perceptions baked in as part of the overall framing of the art itself, which is. Effed up from the floor up. Yep. Thank you. I'm going to curse less on the show. <laughs> All right, Andy, let's hear some pop shots. Some pop shots. Yeah, these, these are <laughs> going to be completely coherent, too. No, um, <laughs> uh, I, I got to co-sign everything uh, Conan just said, because because it is absolutely, like, you know, completely relatable to any artist, uh, which, is, which is certainly a sign of a great film right there, is, is being able to, you know, apply it so broadly, even though it's about something so specific. Um, one thing I thought was actually kind of interesting is that, um, uh, before, before doing this, I watched a, you know, like a, a review of the movie where, where, um, this alien is trying to explain this movie to his people, but does it as a, you know, calls it a sports team. You know, they, they are a team of ballerinas <laughs> and it's a coach and they're, they're the, uh, the Swan Lakers. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a dumb, dumb review. Uh, no, they're really, I actually have some really smart parts to it. Um, but, but, uh, uh, I, I bring that up because like, like, you know, that, that, uh, truly also is a sports movie as well. Like, you know, as artists, like, you know, me and Conan, we can do this until, you know, basically, you know, I don't know, pa pass until the wheels come off, baby. Pre pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas like, you know, ballet dancers, football players, basketball players, uh, and so on, you know, Swan Lakers, um, they, uh, have, you know, they, they have this this best buy date and, and they have to fight to, you know, cause, cause like, um, uh, they, they don't have to, you know, they, 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 they may mentally mature into being able to perform it later in life, but they have to be able to, but they're physically might not be able to, to perform it later in life. Yeah. But I mean, I'd, I'd say that in like, you know, in sports, like that's true, but in like with ballet specifically, right. Like there's like one person that's been able to perform for, for a really long time. They mentioned her in this like Fontaine. Oh. 
like, I mean, you got that and, in sports too. Like, like, uh, who, no, in, in sports, that, you definitely have an end date, but in sports, you, you also know, get to be the, you know, at some point, maybe you get to be a coach or maybe, yeah, you get but to, I mean, like, like, you know, maybe you get, get to, to be a ballet a, instructor, you know, maybe you get to, uh, you know, but like this, studio. this movie kind of makes it clear that like the men are the ballet instructors, you know what I mean? Like the guy that the person, it's not like former ballet, but Angelina Ballerina made it clear that that the women. <laughs> <laughs> No, but like, but you so know, I, I, I do, but just to be clear, Forrest, the the man in the movie is not an instructor; he's a director. Yeah, there but there are but female is, instructors in but, the movie. But the instructors don't get, but the instructors don't. They don't get, get the recognition. Yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. Get the no, class. No, no. So, so what I'm saying is, like, in sports, even at the end of it, right, you get to be maybe. I mean, possibly not for sure, but like, possibly you get to be like a a, a team owner, right, or like a some kind of manager or something like that. Like in in, in ballet. You don't like, you know, it's still like some guy that isn't doing any of the dancing that's kind of just sitting there in the audience, like looking at you with disdain, being like, I am the one getting the credit for this. So be careful, you know, how you dance. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like at the end of it, you're like, and I'm sure they do talk about like, um, well, at least uh, Natalie Portman talks about how like a lot of ballerinas have written books and like, you know, kind of gotten on the press junket. But like it, within that sport, though, it's not or within that, you know, that creative form, it's not the same thing. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, no, but uh, so talk about the physicality of it, you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, you only have so much time before you can, you know, you can do your art uh, before you have yeah. to move on to uh, other less physically taxing. Uh, no, I, I, I agree with that. I'm on board you know, with that. And, and um, uh, I think sexism does play a part in, in the fact that why, you know, why aren't there more uh, women coaches in ballet teams? Um, why uh, there, there, there aren't more, um, you know, wh why the opportunity more women sex pests, more women. Sex <laughs> I don't see you. I don't. I am a I am a woman and I'm not attracted to this. Come on, pick it up. But but you know, yeah, it, it, it would be very different if it was, you know, a woman playing that, you know, the director. But yeah, you know, that that's a whole other uh, other conversation. Um, I you know I've completely lost where my track of thought here. You know where, where right, I'm going with this. So let me use this as an opportunity to uh, mention to dance on sands the uh, the life and death, the life and art of Death Valley's Marta Beckett, who is one of my favorite people in the history of humanity. Uh, is incredible ballet artist who pulled up stakes from new york was originally going to la broke down on the way uh in death valley junction population 50 bought up a the old uh, borax mining facility quarters with a small opera house and stayed borax, borax <laughs> mining facility oh very good uh, very good <laughs> very nice very nice we get some miners in here <laughs> So they they had these uh, quarters for the workers, and then they had a, a small opera house because this this is like a. Would you say those quarters were? Would you say those quarters were very nice? nice. <laughs> who did who did those quarters belong to? My wife. <laughs> small little opera house that she basically after after losing a wheel like uh, losing losing a wheel on the trailer carrying all of her worldly belongings. Bought the place, converted it, hand painted it like the Sistine Chapel, and uh, staged dance performances that people come to from miles and miles around. And it's a beautiful, beautiful book, beautiful story, beautiful person. There's a documentary as well called Amargosa that I find quite empowering. As 
fuck all to do with Barat. Uh, but it's uh, the book is very good. It's called The Dance on Sand. I've and actually I can't seen believe, that like, documentary, and I can. It's vouch. so good. It's amazing. She, it's fantastic. She's, she's up there as amongst my favorite people and like goals, frankly. Um, so anyway, Swan Lakers, Kona Neutron here to tell you, Marta Beck, it's awesome. Yes. Well, what I will say for my final thoughts, and this goes out to all of you as streamers, you know what I mean? Just in general, we need their cash. Don't forget to smile. <laughs> Thank you.